It's Game of the Year! It is Neo Kaido's Game of the Year. I'm Zach Thomas. I'm Dave Thomas. Rob Thomas. And it is finally, it is the day, guys. Uh, it's the day that we have to crown a winner of this year and uh, say that there are nine others behind it um, in an ordered list. Uh, listener, for you at home, that just means that we're doing our top 10 discussion. Um, like I said, we're going to have a singular game of the year and behind it, behind it, nine other games uh, in a ordered fashion. I, I think people ha- have can wrap their head around a top ten list. Yeah. So what this means is <laughs> yeah, we're, doing our, we're doing our top ten so list. Basically what's going to happen is we're going to deliberate. We're going to choose a winner, but that's not uh-huh. all. We're going to have a second through tenth place. Oh, you might say nine others behind it. In a way that denotes quality <laughs> in descending order. Yeah. Using, Wait, I'm not getting this. Using uh, the the Roman Arabic uh, numbers, you might know them as one, two, okay. three. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. I can't remember the rest. Yeah, you can go ahead. We'll, we'll figure them out. Okay. That's as high as they yeah. got. I only count in games. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, so... One game. Two uh, game. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, so, we have nominated for our top ten list. We have nominated 23 games here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Divinity Original Sin 2, Near Automata, Cuphead, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, Pyre, Night in the Woods, Persona 5, The Subsurface Circular, Yakuza 0, What Remains of Edith Finch, Injustice 2, Puyo Puyo Tetris, Resident Evil 7, Hellblade, South Park The Fractured But Whole, Dujana, Gorogoa, The Norwood Suite, Assassin's Creed Origins, Horizon Zero Dawn, Madden 18, Bubsy, um, Deep Space Waifu, um, we have another last minute edition of Superflight, and that's it. Nope. Be... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. Doki Doki Literature Club makes uh, for our 19th place. All right. Amazing. No one read too deeply into Zach's list. <laughs> <laughs> some of those were actually awesome. There are some space-time continuum inconsistencies with what Zach said earlier and what came out of his mouth just now. Yeah. All right, um, Divinity is obviously not on there. Yeah, Divinity, we can take that yeah. off immediately. Um, hmm, interesting. Um, no, <laughs> okay. So, um, I think uh, this is going to be a hard one. I know you guys are pretty up in arms about this one, but can we take a Bubsy off? Um, We're already in deliberations. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even set up rules. Okay. You need, to have, you need to have ground rules that we all agreed to for a successful meeting. Okay, ready? All right. Um, Number one, no name calling. Okay. 
All right. Well, we I, I already disagree. Okay. <laughs> That's a real um, butt person. Number to two, make. the best game will be number one. Yes, uh, that is a good rule. Um, yeah. Um, innovative. Excellent. Also, can we call this best game? There's something retro about that that I really like. Rather than game it's of like the year, going out in in a like a vintage jersey for a game. Yeah, this is your show. Yeah, it's cool. Ten out of right. ten fun factor. So for best game, we have nominated. <laughs> Got through the list again. Should we do um, this in two halves? First, we find ten games, and then the second half. Yeah. We put those in order. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. All right, um, so this first half will be eliminating fifteen titles from here. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of games. It will be. Um. Uh, we gotta start this. Yeah. So, like I said, let's just take Bubsy right off there. Um, unless anybody can make a compelling argument for Bubsy. It's Bubsy. That's my argument. (laughs) Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Woolies. The Woolies. Isn't that what they're called? Probably. Something like that. I don't know. Okay. The only Bubsy I've ever finished is Bubsy Visits the James Terrell Retrospective. Now that deserves a game of the year. Yeah. Rob, if, you, like can, two years if ago. you can tell me how many Bubsies there are, I will keep it on here. There are five Bubsies. Well, too bad. <laughs> Actually, I think there are four. I don't know. All right. <laughs> so. Bubsy. Bubsy 3D. Bubsy 2. Man. Well. Yeah. There were two original Bubsies. That's scary. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd get eliminated so early. What an upset. Yeah, I know. Was, I mean... Well, it's Madden 18 on the list. We can't. Unless we can get Luke back on here, I'm sure he can make a compelling argument, but <laughs> okay. I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Uh, Madden 18 is, is the next one that I'm questioning personally. On what grounds? <laughs> on the playgrounds. Oh, that's good ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so none of us played this. No. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, take that one off. Long shot seems cool. God, this is so easy. Yeah, yeah. This no. is done twenty so minutes. Piece of cake. Let's we take off other no brainers. Like why is to... why is Puyo Puyo Tetris on here? Okay. <laughs> Puyo Puyo Tetris. Last is... last time I checked, both Puyo Puyo and Tetris and combinations of Puyo Puyo Tetris have existed before 2017. But you know what hasn't? What? The Switch. Okay. <laughs> so so there's never been a for... handheld Tetris game, huh? Okay, come on. Um, <laughs> come on now. I was, come on. <laughs> um, no, I had a lot of fun with Puyo Puyo Tetris this year. It is personally one of my favorite games that I played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I played, dude, I played like 20 to 30 hours of Puyo Puyo Tetris this year. Yeah, um, no, I agree with you that Puyo Puyo yeah. Tetris is a fantastic game, and both of those are some of the best puzzle games ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But both of those are real games. It's like if they remastered, like, Tetris. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then brought it. HD. Yeah, you know, like they do every year. Well. If you type Tetris into Wikipedia, there's like 500 entries, but they're all Tetris. Okay. But this is a really good version. <laughs> what does it do to the rules of both Puyo Puyo and Tetris that make uh, it you can unique? S- you can swap. You can do the fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, no, dude. Uh, okay. For real, though. I, be, I, I, I understand that not all of us have the, the reverence for Puyo Puyo Tetris. 
that I do. I, I promise, um, I promise you that I have played more Tetris than all three of us combined over multiple lifetimes. Although that that's impossible because I can't. I added myself into that equation. Yeah. That was, um, <laughs> no. No, I've like, played a shitload this... of Tetris. I really like Tetris. I've beaten Tetris. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go through like the fifteen levels, right? No, all two hundred and eight or whatever are on the oh. original one. Damn. Oh, okay. On Puyo Puyo Tetris, it's only like fifteen. Like yeah, on that's... the fifteenth, it's an immediate drop. That's a new. I th- beat it. I yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Um, is it better than but, Tetris DS? Yes, no, I played not. Tetris DS. No. Um, okay. <laughs> no, okay, but let me get to my argument. Please. Uh, the reason why I think this is so good is because of the Switch, uh, and you can just break off a controller whenever you want and hand it to somebody. So at um, around this time, whenever this came out, my brother came home. Uh, my brother's in the military, so... A bunch of people, like, kind of came around to to see my brother. So I was in a bunch of social, like, situations. And that led to a lot of Tetris being played at multiple houses. And it was, it was awesome. Like, I'm not a multiplayer type of guy. I'm the, I'm the kind of person that just wants to sit at my computer and play my games by myself. Um, While my brother saves the world. While my brother saves the world. (laughs) Thanks, Cody. Um... (laughs) But, thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you for your service. Um, <laughs> um, but no, this this game turned me into like a Switch commercial where I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to break off this controller and here you go. Uh, put the wrist strap on. Yes. Um, and yeah, let, let's play some Tetris. And like, it's super easy. Obviously, it's super easy to uh, like describe to people what Tetris is and how to play. You'd be surprised how many people have never played Tetris. Do you know why it is? Because everyone's played Tetris their entire life. No, everyone that's not when, true. When when a baby is delivered, it comes with a copy of Tetris. <laughs> no, to to it's... babysit the baby when the parents are drinking. Wait, babies are born? <laughs> like, I mean, um, uh, well, uh, when they this were when game the storm of the year delivers, when they um, respawn. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Um, no, man, like. I put the I put my switch in the uh, in the living room for like a week, and my family it, it just turned into this big, uh, like, ongoing tournament between all of us. And my yeah, I understand again. I understand that it's not going to make it on here. I really liked Puyo Puyo Tetris this year. Yeah, um, that, no, that's fair. Yeah, I like that. It, it's a strong argument to say that a game brought a family together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so good on Puyo Puyo Tetris, but I don't know. Can I just nominate fucking Ocarina of Time? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> Ocarina of Time, why not? We okay. played it this year. It was a good game in 2017, too. Puyo Puyo Tetris came out this year, though. Oh, okay. But did it, though? <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. okay. I mean, you can't spell Puyo Puyo Tetris no, without poo-poo. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there are um, better arguments to be had. Okay, you just eliminate. It. You didn't even cross it out. Yeah, it's like oh, it never existed here. Yeah, sorry, harsh. <laughs> I forgot the how we were doing this. <laughs> um, I was doing this. I'm the only one crossing stuff out. I guess. Sure. Um. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. We'll, we'll we'll do this so that 
we'll have a rule so it'll be kind of like shitty santa or whatever uh you play dirty, dirty you santa. Shitty santa sexy santa because i think shitty santa is a good name um <laughs> but, the rule will be the person whose title was last eliminated gets to choose the next title we deliberate on. Sure. Let's do it. Um, hmm. Boy. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? What can I What can I take out of here? Uh, the S- South Park, the fractured butthole, is a, a glaring one for me. Um, you want to start, Rob? Anybody else uh, step up? Yeah. Um it's I shit. <laughs> you know, you're make I really can't think of a good reason to keep it on here. It's a damn good game, but it's also uh stick of truth again. And I don't think it innovated enough from that game to really deserve its own spot this year. Mm-hmm. Um It's like I said, it's a great game. I don't wanna say it's anything less than that but Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's that it's stick truth again so yeah anyone else well i mean arguments for it so i just don't know what's new about it i mean like you said it is kind of stick of truth again but like did they do anything interesting with the story that (laughs) they didn't do last time we just came off puyo puyo tetris okay and you asked (laughs) what's new about the fractured butthole Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you share experiences? I mean, I broke off a controller and handed it to a friend, but it had nothing oh, to do okay. with South Park. Oh. I just wanted to break the controller, see if I could. I, I yeah, like the strong boy. <laughs> in fractured butthole's defense, I also agree it doesn't belong on a top ten list. Um yeah. at least amongst uh these contenders. Um I like they there's pretty cool quality of life changes. Um there is small tweaks that they made um that kind yeah, of give tweak. yeah <laughs> that give the uh, <laughs> the world a little bit more engagement mm-hmm. like your characters kind of have like a pip system now so yeah, like pip. as you're walking through town like Cartman or whoever uh you're talking to will kind of appear in the corner and it's not like new to gaming at all but it 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 kind of like keeps you engaged in the narrative and like the old game you were doing a lot of meandering um yeah and to be fair like this game does have kind of long stretches of uh just narrative that are not super interesting Um, i don't think the jokes come at the pace they did in the original um i like the new combat system i like the class system i wish they would have gone deeper with it um but at the same time like yeah i don't know it it's it's fine it's perfectly serviceable if you like stick a truth you would like uh fractured but whole yeah. Um, but I don't think it adds anything too revolutionary um, to the formula. Um, and me, overall, it's like not as funny. The, the, for me personally, the the opening hours were just a lot of fart jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those don't really land for me. Um, I don't know if it's like that uh, throughout. But I mean, I like the um, the combat system that they did. Uh, again, when I whenever I heard that it was kind of a... Um, place your guy wherever or you kind of move your guy within the battlefield um that kind of turned me off but to see how it was implemented uh, was a lot better than i thought it was going to be it's definitely more engaging than like the paper mario combat of the original yeah the original game was so simple um Mm -hmm. that the combat was like absolutely a chore Mm -hmm. um 
This one adds a few, it, it's more difficult and it adds stakes to a lot of the encounters. And some of the encounters are cool, like they're not all strictly uh, defeat all the enemies on the grid. Some of them are like, oh, you need to get away from Yeah, like when impossible. you're fighting the strippers. Yeah, yeah like you need to actually great. run away uh, before you get insta-killed um, or get to an area um, in a certain amount of turns. Like uh, They added some variety to it. Overall, mm-hmm. like it's it's not a a far cry from South Park, uh, the Stick of Truth. So mm-hmm. um, it was fine. It was serviceable. Like it was a new studio, and they didn't drop the ball. Like yeah, um, given this is like it was a studio SF Ubisoft's uh, San Francisco studio's first game. Um, uh-huh. You know, and they were taking the reins from Obsidian, which is like a veteran developer. Yeah. Right. Um so I was expecting uh something maybe more simplified. Um so the fact that they improved on so many things Obsidian did um was pretty uh commendable. Mm-hmm. Um and you can't really blame that studio on the writing of the game because Matt and Trey to my knowledge do all the writing. Yeah. Right. So like if you say this game's not as funny as the other one like that's not any developer's fault that's Matt and Trey just phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think we can take it off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do we have here? That was Rob's pick. Do we want to... Okay. Um, what do you want to hear about, Rob? Uh, let's talk about what remains of Edith Finch, because that's fresh in my mind. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys. But I think Edith Finch absolutely deserves a spot absolutely. on our top okay. ten list. Yeah, I don't I even think, think that's a question. S- yeah, I think we should save that discussion. I th- yeah, yeah I th- you're right. Yeah, I think we should we, eliminate the. We put that in bold. We talk about Edith Finch when we talk about the actual placement of our top ten games. Um, Let's do that. Yeah, Edith Finch is real good. All right. Uh, I don't like how this format turned out. No, you're, you're doing great. Uh, um, no, God. Okay, well, pick another one, Rob. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If we're going with games that we're trying to eliminate, uh let's talk Wolfenstein Two. Interesting, because yeah, um, because the more I think about that game, the more I wonder if it really needs a t- top ten spot with mm-hmm. all the amazing stuff that came out this year. Right. I'm kind of in the same spot. <laughs> about Wolfenstein 2. Yeah. Um I think it has really great mo- moments. I think it's a really good roller coaster, but I do not I, I don't think that gameplay is especially um great, I guess. Right. No. Uh, it's, it's definitely so serviceable, but there was no there's no moments in or there's no gameplay sections in uh Wolfenstein 2 that really just like blew my mind. It was just I mean, like I said, it, it's serviceable. It's shooting and everything, but it's it's nothing unique mm-hmm. in any way. Right. And also, like, not knowing when you're getting shot is a real crappy thing uh, <laughs> and really annoying. Um, I didn't yeah. really deal with just dying over and over just because I played on the easiest difficulty, like, throughout. Um, but, yeah, like, still, it was it was annoying being like, oh, okay, I have five health left. How did that happen? Yeah, especially like coming off the heels of, and I know they're different developers, but like Doom last year, like I replayed that campaign so many times. 
yeah just like yeah. immediately and i would pick up i was like okay i like this level more i'll play this level again and like hunting for secrets and um you know playing it different ways like oh what if i played it all like using exclusively just like the chainsaw and that uh what's that gun that looks like the chronoceptor that kind of like just oh makes oh, people <laughs> it, yeah, yeah the pulse like laser thing yeah yeah like isn't it just a railgun yeah it basically is essentially it like kind of disintegrates people oh, now yeah. we're talking now we're talking about doom um <laughs> go on but on. yeah like after finishing wolfenstein 2 like i have no real desire to go back and play through those levels again yeah. right um because i know there's it's like the other timeline yeah that's i know there's a lot of secrets and stuff like in those levels and just not in a invested enough to go in and hunt for them and um yeah and i couldn't even like usually i don't move games down to the easiest difficulty mm-hmm. but i was just so uninterested in the idea of dying in the middle of these firefights and restarting them yeah because that was not getting anything it'd be one thing if i was enjoying them and i like wanted to push myself towards getting better at the game and like learning my corners or whatever and finally mm-hmm. like um persevering the way i did through doom um yeah but it was just a, like i was like i'm finding this really dull and i just want to see this narrative um so i'm going to turn it down to the easiest difficulty even then i was dying just because like you say like there's no indication when you're getting uh, killed yeah um which is just jarring because you'll just be like I, this is fine i don't think anything's hit me and then you just drop yeah um so yeah it's the gameplay just doesn't hold up um yeah, the level also, design was just weak yeah also like what you were saying about doom like doom feels every encounter feels like a challenge or like a like a run almost mm-hmm. where there is a way to almost min max those encounters of like yeah, okay yeah. i'm gonna take out these guys i'm gonna glory kill them i'm gonna gr- go grab that health pack like there's nothing about like there's there's nothing like that in wolfenstein 2 where it just feels kind of uh fumbly i guess we're just like yeah i'm, I'm gonna shoot all of them um I hope it goes well. <laughs> like, all right. There, there's no strategy going into any of those fights uh, mm-hmm. in the in the way that like something like Doom did. Um, I think the strength of Doom was that like its arenas felt like little horde modes. Yeah. So yeah. like you were learning kind of the stage as you were fighting around, and you know it would do it because like you would fight four imps first, and then it would let another four imps in, but they would be followed with like bigger guys, and then like the yeah. flaming skulls would come in, and like yeah. it was ramping it up. Whereas Wolfenstein is pretty much like, I got seen by one person. That means 40 people just came out of one broom closet. And they're going to keep coming out until I find this commander who's dressed in all gray, which is great because this level is all gray. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't, the the little indication on where they're located, like, is not a very solid uh, way to find them. Because you'll run to that spot and you're like, oh, they're above me. And then you have to go find the stairs, wherever those happen to be. Uh, mm-hmm. in the mean what in the meantime you're getting mowed down by dudes in like fucking tank tops. It's just like what's right. going on? I'm in yeah. a super suit. Like I sh- I'm I'm not feeling that that sense of uh domination you feel like in Doom. Yeah. Um, there's no challenge. Like it, it's just wholly unsatisfying. Um, and, and uh, even like if we take away just the shooting mechanics, like I I felt like a lot of those stages were unsatisfying. Like yeah. I didn't yeah. think a lot of those inter- the levels were interesting to explore um Mm -hmm. yeah like all the interesting stuff in that game came or was around the narrative and the characters Mm -hmm. um and ultimately just felt like it was shoehorned into a pretty lackluster shooter 
Um, even compared to the first game, like the first game had, uh, it did stealth better. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Wolfenstein Two doesn't feel like it incentivizes stealth at all. It feels like if that's the way you choose to play that game, it's it's only gonna like prolong those levels as you like try to quietly tiptoe around. There's no real good stealth yeah. indications of anything, so like you don't know why someone saw you. Like it didn't seem like you were in their yeah. line of sight, but they did. And the, again, the second they do, they kind of just their fucking hive mind goes off. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 just like not at the end of the day like a game I want to go back to. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I was really moved by its narrative and characters. Yeah, I, I think it's really telling um, <laughs> that none of us did the extra. Um, commanders that were optional. Yeah, no. Uh, especially when at the end of the game, it's like, "Hey, your uh, your your journey's not over. Go kill the commanders." Like those are different. I, I want to say that they're different levels that are are created for those uh, mm-hmm. scenarios. Um, they usually you or I think some of them are used at okay level parts, but yeah. But still, it's like I think that's very telling of how uh, the gameplay is when none of us actually wanted to like really engage with that that combat any further whereas like doom i totally just booted that back up and went on arcade mode because it's fun to play that game and also like you were saying with the the horde mode stuff um that doom does versus wolfenstein like the way that wolfenstein just ramps up difficulty isn't by it's just like the end of that game you fight two of those really big dudes Mm -hmm. and it's like okay sure like it, it just it doesn't feel like clever in a way. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't feel I don't know. It doesn't feel natural. I guess it just feels like okay, we're gonna put two of these guys now. Have fun. Right. Yeah. Right. There's like there's almost like a combo system in Doom. Yeah. Uh, depending on like what enemies are around you, mm-hmm. you kind of know like these guns work best on these enemies, and like I should kind of. Uh, kill these many enemies before i go in and use my chainsaw yeah. to get more ammo and then do it it's a... almost a puzzle game yeah it's yes. like yeah. It, it's really like it's very deceptive but it's like a thinking man shooter like and yeah. that's what makes it engaging and yeah. wolfenstein like first of all like you can't tell because like every enemy is just a humanoid something so it's either yeah. just like a person or a dude in armor and that's about the two options you have maybe the occasional <laughs> like uh scout drone or um you know, ro- oh, robot dog. Um, yeah. But those are few and far between. You're just usually finding like hordes and hordes of dudes. Um, well, so it also th- doesn't help that you're just not as mobile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like that's a big part of it. It's just like the level design doesn't lend well to a lot of those encounters. Um, yeah. And then you're just like, well, what gun should I use on people? Because like it sounds mm-hmm. like any gun would work on people, but like. <laughs> Um, obviously that's not the case. And yeah, like there's just like the way the, the, the trees, uh, the tech trees work in those games. Like I never really felt from beginning to end that I really got any stronger or better. Yeah. Like, right. I felt like I was playing the same game at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. Um, even when they give you those special powers, uh, halfway through the narrative, like those, they were just goofy. Like, yeah, they kind like, of just felt like a joke. Like it, it having mm. like the, the inspector gadget stilts come out from my <laughs> legs, like it, I was like, how does this make combat any easier or better? Or like, they had this ludicrous like uh, signpost that said like, oh, you can have, you can hide behind cover up in the, on the ceiling. And I'm like, where does that exist? <laughs> like, where are there places <laughs> where there's like some kind of sign hanging down that I can hide behind in my inspector gadget pose? Um, like, 
I pretty much only use that to scale buildings. Like yeah. Um. So I I picked the the ram shackles or whatever, and I actually yeah, so I. found some use with those. Um. It didn't feel like. I bet you can just run changing. into people, right? What was that? You can just run into people, right? Yeah, and also there yeah. are like some breakable walls that you can that you can just run through. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as it, like that stuff's exploration uh, mechanics, like the breakable wall was always right next to the thing you can climb over, oh, or really? the vent, or the vent you yeah. can like. It didn't really. It wasn't like it changed the level that dynamically. It was yeah. just like regardless of which three of these you pick, there's still like a way to get around. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I didn't so it seemed kind of, that. It seemed like meaningless. Yeah, because I was like, oh, there's the wall I could break. But there's yeah. the vent I would uh, stuff myself into if I had the compressor uh, thing. Like, yeah, it was kind of an afterthought. I feel like, uh, um, and the compressor is just uncomfortable to think about when you think about what is. Yeah, it's just like what is this doing? Like, oh. like just squeezing <laughs> you until you're smaller. Right. Like, it's really goofy. Yeah, like what does does BJ's head get smaller? Like, yeah, you can um, only fit through things. That organs are... have to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I think we've said our piece on Wolfenstein. Yeah. And everyone yeah, has something else. But I think I'm starting to hate this game the more we talk about it. I, well, it's it's, just, there yeah, are like I, good parts about it, definitely. Um, yeah. But it just, yeah. Yeah, it's its strength is its story, which is again a very strange thing to say about Wolfenstein. Yeah. Um, I broke something here. Right, there we yes, go. you did. Um, right. who is Wolfenstein's choice? I didn't put that on there. Oh, wait, I think that was me, too. <laughs> okay. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and take the next one? Uh, I'm deferring to you. All right. I guess I'll pick another low-hanging fruit. Mm. Let's talk about Doki Doki Literature Club. No, my favorite game. Um, Doki Doki Literature Club is cool. It's not yeah. top ten worthy. Um. I want to talk about it a little bit since uh, I, I wish I would have brought it up during best moment. I think it had a uh, a, a bit of a fighting chance there. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, like it is a visual novel, which I don't need to tell people is a really dull genre. Um, yeah, it's like I, I separate visual novel from text adventure. Ostensibly, they're the same thing. But I think visual novels just have a lot of just. meaningless dialogue and a lot of anime um (laughs) i like a lot of anime um but even i just find visual novels to be kind of grating um and dull and have trouble uh troubled depictions of uh either relationships or stereotypes or whatever like it's uh visual novels are not a genre i usually gravitate towards um so hearing that this was kind of a a unique take on the visual novel is like, all right, I'll be into that. Um, and it definitely goes places. Um, as you find out that this literature club that you uh, have joined is actually <laughs> is actually the invention of a computer program that was looking for someone to uh, love it and care for it forever. So it like <laughs> basically invented these stereotyped or these uh. The, these anime girl tropes for you to fall in love with mm-hmm. um, and that shit. gets jealous that you you know that it basically did what it was designed to and so like if you choose any of the three girls that aren't the the mastermind computer program which is monica in the game mm-hmm. um she gets jealous and starts like sowing seeds of like dissent in the group to the point that like she causes the other girls to either 
uh, kill themselves or kill each other. Um, and that stuff isn't clear at first. You're just thinking it's set in the real world. And these are just like uh, tackling themes of uh, depression. Um, and then when you kind of pull back the curtain and f- find out it was, it's this more meta layer. Um, to the point where like the game has you pop out of the game and go into like the Steam folders and start deleting files in there uh, to change stuff in the game. Like th- oh those are really neat moments. Um, and-, and the way the game glitches. So like if a character died, it would uh, not continue the story. It would restart the story with that character no longer in the game. Uh, but that character would like parts of their code would come into the game. So you would be talking to someone. And then very briefly, like, their face would be uh, superimposed, the person you're talking to's face. Um, or, like, you would hear, like, some they would say something and it would, like, come in and, like, kind of, uh, re- it would take over the dialogue. Um, or you would hear their voice or something. Like, yeah. it was doing a lot of little tricks. Um, and it was genuinely uh, pretty uh, unsettling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I did not expect this to end up being a horror game. Um it's a neat thing. Um, it's definitely kind of like a one-trick pony. Like, once I kind of saw the twist, I was like, okay, cool. Like, that was a neat experience I might not revisit. Um, and it does require you to kind of have a working knowledge of just anime tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a kind of working uh, discipline to endure a lot of anime tropes. Because, like, this game is just, like, <laughs> talking about tea time and you know getting bloody noses when like a girl bends over or something like a lot of just like kind of perverted goofy stuff that like i kind of like have grown out of yeah uh, in my anime so ultimately i think it's a cool title that like most people should experience mm-hmm. um yeah and as far as visual novels go like it's probably the best one since uh since what's it called um how to, uh, how, boyfriend. How to full boyfriend yeah um <laughs> but yeah like i i think we can take it off okay it seemed really cool and i never tried it out even though it's free um i probably it's should. neat it's the cool thing like even i i think knowing the twists uh makes me want to play it more and kind of see that through yeah that uh, does sound cool and i liked the the focus on like there is a lot of like you're in a poetry club essentially you're not you're in a literature club but like Mm -hmm. the main gameplay is writing poetry and then sharing it with everyone and kind of critiquing everyone's uh poems Mm -hmm. and like it was cool for like you know a few days there to like write poems and read other people's poems and see like the differences and kind of like using that as the mechanic to learn uh about people's personalities um it was pretty neat um but ultimately like it it's it just it's a very experimental game. Mm-hmm. Um it was it just like kind of cool ideas. Yeah, it it's very much meant as like a commentary about the state of visual novels. Mm-hmm. Um which mm-hmm. I think is relevant now that Steam seems to have a, like 50 of them come out every week. Yeah. Um right. and doesn't seem to like rein in which ones are just straight porn and which ones are <laughs> Uh, maybe have something more meaningful to to deliver. So, oh, there's more porn than just uh in these graph in these visual novels. No, I know. You should have played Deep Space Waifu. I'm okay. No, you really should. 
Um, um, uh, can see. I go ahead and pick one? Sure. We're Since... breaking all the rules. Yeah. Well, I mean, you picked your own. You can pick another one if you want, buddy. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll talk about the same one. Yeah. I don't know. We're get, we're getting to a point in where like all of these games uh, we have remaining have pretty strong uh, arguments for them. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Injustice Two. Oh, come on. What? I don't want it. To... <laughs> I'm I'm curious. Okay. Uh, might survive. It, it um, might survive. I... But I, I am curious, like what Injustice Two does better than the first Injustice, or what it brings that Injustice One didn't already kind of deliver. So I think what it brings is, um, well, along with the fact that it is by far. To my knowledge, and you guys can chime in on this, I think it's the best fighting game of this year. Um, uh, I really like Tekken 7. Oh, te- I forgot Tekken came out. Um, well, what about yeah. Absolver? I don't. Oh, okay, that one. Uh, is that or that, really or that tr- one with the rabbits? Oh, shit, I forgot about oh, that. Oh, un- Undergrowth? Overgrowth. Undergrowth. I've been waiting for that game for years yeah. too. I totally forgot. It came well, out. Injustice Two is the is the <laughs> best fighting game of the two D style. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's my personal take on that one. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. I don't know. Didn't play that one. Um, but I, I really think um, this game kind of excels in in a lot of different categories. I think, like I said, I uh, before I think the the story is really engaging. I think it's really good at getting you used to those characters. Uh, it doesn't feel like um, a traditional fighting game story where it's just like, oh, and now here's this one, and now here's this one. Because I think having that world kind of set up already um, and having that storyline kind of uh, just being a continuation, I think it does a, a good job at making it not feel like you're being introduced to these characters for the first time and having them just kind of show up out of nowhere right. uh, and it makes sense with it being the two factions instead of like Mor- mortal combats eight factions or whatever <laughs> i think there's only three or four i can't remember four um yeah having those like different factions where it's just like it, you kind of get lost on on who is fighting for who um but also i like this is the first fighting game that really like i felt competent in um, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I actually stood a chance and I think partly, uh, due to the, the gear and also just being I, I, like, some of those characters are really accessible. Um, like Robin, I think that's who I played the most of. Um, he's just a super easy character to learn. He's got like four combos and they're all pretty good and you can chain them together really easy. Um, and it, like it goes up to a swamp thing where he's a lot more difficult to play, um, and understand because he's more of like. Uh, this heavy brawler um but yeah like i i felt good about playing this game and i felt like i actually stood a chance and uh to the point where i i played online more like than i had ever played of mortal kombat x or uh mortal kombat 9 like i i just didn't feel like i was good enough in those games whereas this one i felt like i understood my fighter enough to to take it online and actually stand a chance um, and, and again, like I think having um, these customizable superheroes and villains and everything, I think that's really cool. Um, it adds something to the matches where 
you're not always fighting the same character. I mean, you are, but like you get to see a lot of different variations of, of the, the superheroes and villains and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, it's hard to make a argument for this to be in our, um, our joint top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really think that injustice two is a, it's an excellent game. Okay. Yeah, no, it's good. It I, I, I like it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it in justice too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just like coming off the original injustice and then mortal Kombat X. Um, it was just like, okay, cool. Like this team has kind of found their niche yeah like this is the Mm. kind of fighting game they make definitely um and as someone who really enjoys street fighter um and up until this year marvel versus capcom and a lot of uh the uh axis games whether it's like blas blue or guilty gear Mm -hmm. um like there's something about um this combat the netherworld's combat systems Mm -hmm. that yeah like they they're they are very approachable um, but they feel a little shallow to me and that's mm. fine. That's not a mark against it because yeah. that makes them more, uh, accessible to more people. Mm-hmm. They don't have these fucking esoteric rules and you have to know right. about all these like, oh, let's, let's learn about like, uh, fucking custom combos and frame counting and yeah. like pixel perfect, like execution of these things and, um, like learning. Yeah. Just all this stuff that kind of goes into fighting games, uh, you're, you're still able to enjoy Injustice uh, regardless of that, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a strength. Um, and also I think the stage transition stuff that they did in this one is like really cool. Like just being yeah. able to do uh, like your big haymaker punch into a whole nother area. Uh-huh. Like I think mm. that's really cool. And I, like, I, like yeah. some of those transitions like put you on maps where you have like different... Um, availability to like the weapons kind of sitting around like things that you can grab and throw it at the the other guy mm-hmm. um yeah i, 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 I think, think it's, it's a, a good fighting game um i think it's super competent like yeah. i think overall it, i also like uh praise the fact that like uh they handled these dc characters that are getting more or less butchered by hollywood yeah right um like in a way that seems almost irreversible, like like Hollywood is uh, almost destroying any kind of reverence mm-hmm. that these uh, classic DC heroes have um, through their god awful movies. Like being able to show, like no, these characters indeed have rich histories and are interesting and dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that Hollywood has given them to some of the worst writers they could possibly give them to, um, and you know, like self-centered directors etc yeah but like um so it's cool to see like a superhero narrative that i'm like i care about because in general like i'm not super into uh superhero nar- uh, narratives yeah um right also it, the, it's it's the yeah. big bad's name is brainiac which is pretty for sure <laughs> no yeah it's pretty dumb. superhero superhero <laughs> stuff is still dumb yeah like, yeah <laughs> as cool as you can treat it like uh-huh. at the end of the day it's still pretty goofy uh-huh. um I, I think Injustice 2 is a fine video game. Like, I just don't think it's top 10. No. Um, I think I can think of, like, you know, 14 games on here that, like, I would put before Injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Okay. So, 
I don't know which one of us put this on here. It might have been me. Injustice? No, no, no. Um, oh. Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Um, it wasn't me. Does anybody have an argument for Horizon Zero Dawn being on I, the top ten? I put it on here. I, didn't play it. I thought it was on here originally, and then when I saw that it wasn't on here, I'm like, did someone take Horizon off? <laughs> uh, I don't think Horizon Zero Dawn is going to make our top ten list. Um, but I think we <laughs> need to talk about uh, a lot of things surrounding Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I think it came out at a. I think if Horizon Zero Dawn came out last year, people would be uh, a lot have a lot more of a favorable opinion about it. Yeah, I think its greatest weakness was releasing side by side with Zelda, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which had way more hype surrounding it. Um, but I don't. I think it's a disservice to Horizon Zero Dawn to not even include it on a list. <laughs> Where, where Puyo Puyo Tetris was. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, it, it, I, I think Horizon Zero Dawn is an exceedingly, like, uh, it, it is pretty much, like, hits what it's uh, set out to do, um, which is essentially refine the Far Cry formula into a third-person uh, action game that's open world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of games have tried to do that and, like, kind of unsuccessfully. Like, uh, open-world games for a long time were, like, a dime a dozen. Um, and so this yeah. idea that, like, Gorilla just, like, stepped down and, like, no, we're going to make our own open-world game. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to... It's going to be more or less what you know, but we're going to add s- some little neat things into it, like hunting giant uh, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I think, like, it feels really good to play. Um, there's something about, like, hunting big mecha dinosaurs in this game that kind of, like, do for me what I feel a lot of people get out of the Monster Hunter games. Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas the Monster Hunter games, like, to me are a goddamn mess. Like, it's just clipping through enemies and, like, bad hit detection and, like, a miserable camera and just, like, a really punishing uh, learning curve. Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn is pretty much like, here's a rope gun, aim it at the dinosaur, and then it's going to hit it, it's going to tie it to the ground. <laughs> and then it's just like, doing that stuff, like, the, the feeling of like, shooting that rope dart, and then like, realizing that like, oh, one is not enough, this thing is huge. And so just like, pummeling it with rope darts, and just tying it to the ground, and seeing kind of like, how the physics work, like how the dinosaur would pull against the uh, ropes and then like uh, there was just too much tension and it would fly back the other way and get like stunned yeah um and then how you can kind of just like go in for the kill or just try to knock some of its armor off like the the armor specific stuff was really neat i really enjoyed the idea it's like all right here's this big beast it has like a head mounted cannon it has all this armor on its side it has like a sweet spike on its tail um i have to find out which of these is giving me the most grief like, do I want to take off its armor and it'll go down quicker? Do I want to take off its head cannon so I don't have to constantly dodge every f- 10 seconds as it shoots a giant blast at me? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Being able to target that stuff, um, like, the way the mobility worked was just really smart. Um, it just always felt engaging and, like, again, that world is beautiful. So, like, these fights really felt um, meaningful and, like, epic, even if it's not, like, a 
narrative fight. It could just be like something you ran across on your way to an objective. Yeah. Um, and you have these little moments that feel like uh, it makes Aloy feel like a legitimate hunter, like that kind of theme they're going through for that game. Like Aloy is a hunter, like this society is kind of built around hunting these giant mechs. Um, and then the overall mystery of like, where do these come from? And um, th- these things that I for myself have not learned yet. Yeah. Um, Cause I never made it that far into the game. Um, like it were legitimately intriguing. And to my understanding, like it ends satisfy uh, in a satisfying way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And overall, like I think horizon zero dawn is like a damn good open world game. Like, it uh, it scratched itches that like I was not getting out of uh, other open world games. Like even games like The Witcher, which people like adored. Mm-hmm. Like after a while, it's like the combat in this game is kind of cumbersome. Like never mind the fact that like Geralt feels like he drunkenly stumbles out of every like um encounter that he's in. But like mm-hmm. the idea that's like oh, before a fight, I have to like make a potion and sit there and like think about how much I enjoyed the potion I made. Yeah, and then like. A lot of that stuff felt clumsy. Like the the horse uh, riding roach around felt clumsy. The way that like mounting enemies in Horizon does not. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, like the combat was it was punchy. Uh, like I think Gorilla made a really really good fucking uh one of those. Um. Yeah. And like yeah. it was it was derivative in a way that like I wasn't super into to the. To the point where, like, the menus almost seemed entirely ripped from Far Cry Primal. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember <laughs> opening those menus. I was like, are these the same menus? Like, they look so identical. And, the, the, and I am never into the resource gathering, crafting stuff in games. Um, like, I, the idea is like, oh, you need to get eight of these types of plant so that you can make four of these things. And then that'll craft into a bow eventually. Yeah, like that stuff's mm. always dull, especially, and it's very distracting in Horizon when like you see all these little pings. It's like, oh, there's crafting stuff here, there's crafting stuff here, yeah. And it's like, why can't I just collect this shit as I walk over it? Mm-hmm. Like, why add the extra step of pressing A and watching the loading bar circle around really quickly, mm-hmm. um, so that I pick up fucking the fiftieth like plant that uh, in my inventory that's, i have no idea what they do that's something that i want to like congratulate last of us on is that you can just rapidly tap that button and he mm-hmm. picked like joel yeah. just picks up everything like it'll just be like hey this stuff's over here uh, yeah you can go ahead and grab it if you if you'd like and you walk over there and just tap x and it's like yep okay mm-hmm. he's like hands going everywhere all of it's in my in my backpack let's go like right. i don't understand the the whole um like holding a button to to collect that kind of stuff right it just yeah like it's not engaging like yeah and like you said cumbersome i've just and it seems weird that like because once upon a time like games were just like you saw the thing you press the button you collect it yeah but the idea that there's actually like a very even if it's a a second long that there's a brief loadings just to have like the character do the animation that they're foraging Mm -hmm. like that stuff drives me nuts yeah and it's just like, why? Why do you need to show that? Like, let's do the Red Dead Redemption skinning an animal. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, you show that animation, you show it the one time, and then you let players skip through it every other time. Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, I know what's going on. Yeah. Like, it's just it it it's, it takes you out of it, it puts you in like a different mindset. You go from I'm on a grand adventure to like I'm doing inventory management. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's uh, not surprisingly the part that they usually take out of uh, adventure stories, 
mm-hmm. is the part where the hero sits there with all his shit and goes like, what don't I need? Yeah. Or what can I slam together to make a better item? Can I like, get rid of this bowl <laughs> that I picked up 50 hours ago? Yeah. Could you imagine like if fucking Star Wars, like if they added 40 scenes where Luke found better lightsabers? Uh. If Luke's just walking there, he's just like, hey, I found a crystal. This would make my lightsaber a little bit stronger. And then like there's a scene where he builds it. Or there's and a then, scene like, where he's like looking at the stats and he's like, hmm, like back and forth. Yeah. Like, one or two. Yeah, one he makes it. or two. Right. He's just like, hmm, fire resistance, but less damage. Yeah. Or, and then he finally <laughs> goes out, fights four stormtroopers, and then one of them drops another crystal, and he goes, hmm, got another crystal. Like, <laughs> this one's just legendary. Turned... I could, uh, I can decode this one. Yeah, it's just like, this shit is not interesting. Like, yeah. Um, people really need to rethink how they do their crafting in games. Yeah. Um, or eliminate it altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine like but but yeah like uh, horizon goes yeah um my my argument with this uh, i've said it before <laughs> i'll keep saying it i just don't like looking at that game i mm-hmm. i don't think the menus are very like i none of that game was visually appealing to me uh maybe the stuff that's like hey look at like whenever the camera is focusing on something because it's very deliberately like wanting you to look at that from this very specific angle. I the rest of that game was just hard for me to look at, and um, I, I've been playing some Ghost Recon Wildlands, and that doesn't look as messy to me as the, as Horizon Zero Dawn does. Like mm-hmm. personally, I think that I'm, like I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's their their art style that they went for. Like that kind of muddied it or what, but like arguably there's more uh, like vegetation and stuff going on in Wildlands, but it's a lot easier for me to kind of consume than Horizon Zero Dawn, especially like the HUD. Like I feel like Horizon especially had just everything on screen at the same time, just everything. There's so much information um, and it's not conveyed very um, efficiently, I guess. Whereas I like, think you you can remove that stuff though. Yeah, <laughs> and that's generally how I play all open world games. I'm just like bye bye HUD. Yeah, like I hope that you were smart enough to make other indications of like letting me know how I'm progressing without needing to have all this visual clutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just learned that way because yeah. like I don't need a game to like constantly tell me what the button prompts are. Yeah, and it's like, like unless you made a really, with, sh- yeah. but there's like the compass or whatever. like there's some stuff that you would like to know at, at right. some uh, like at some points, like a general direction of where to go. Um, and like ag- again, I think Wildlands does it better than than Horizon does, and mm-hmm. I mean it's not on here, <laughs> right? Um, but um, there's there's other problems with Wildlands that that Horizon doesn't have, like. Horizon has really good dialogue and like really interesting characters, whereas yeah, Wildlands whereas, is kind of laughable in that. that well, Wildlands has some pretty shitty dialogue. Oh yeah, it is atrocious. <laughs> you can actually argue. Literally, I, I don't think there is a radio DJ I hate more than the guy from Wildlands. <laughs> even the Man. even your your lady telling you what's going on is. Oh, your CIA director who is just like a no nonsense, like. It's like who trained you? It's less like 
That's so bad. Did you get to the part where you have to you try to force someone to kill themselves with by snorting cocaine? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, it's just well, like I don't know. They tell me about it. <laughs> there's a character who's just like, "You're gonna tell us what we need you to know, or you're gonna we're gonna force you to snort cocaine, and it's gonna look like you overdosed." Oh, and I'm just like, "This is bad. That, that was this is real that shitty." Came out real good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of problems with Wildlands. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know necessarily agree with you on horizons look Mm -hmm. i think it's a beautiful game i think it is important to remove that hud yeah i I definitely think it's it's a personal thing of just like i don't know it it sounds like i'm not the only one but i'm definitely one of the few okay uh let's move on from horizon are we taking it off i think so i mean yeah i it's not my top 10 it doesn't sound like it's either of yours Mm -mm. oh okay uh from here Let's see. You picked that, so... And that was my pick. Yep. Or I put it on here. I put it back on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll take an easy one off. Uh, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this game, the Subsurface Circular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as text adventures go, I would like to see more uh, kind of in lieu of the Subsurface Circular. Uh, it this this, like very digestible uh but still engrossing narrative that takes no more than 90 minutes to finish yeah like a really neat short story um it doesn't need to have you know like i I didn't come out of the subsurface circular going like i need to know more about this world and i need to know the lore and i need a sequel to it um or i need to replay it so i can catch things i didn't catch the first time Mm -hmm. it's just like no it's a very like well-tailored adventure um, I mean, it does have, you know, branching dialogue paths and, uh, multiple endings, but, um, ultimately like the playthrough I had, which was really satisfying, um, a really just like cool use of, uh, a, a really like seamless blend of, uh, strong dialogue, mm-hmm. a very like neat, uh, just visual, uh, style of just like something about trains lend themselves to mysteries really well. Like, I don't know what it is, Yeah. Like especially like that Orient Express movie just came out. And it's like the fifth Orient Express movie that's come out. Like, Agatha Christie, like, her estate is still raking in money even like a hundred years after that book was written. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like, you know, you think of like uh, From Russia with Love or all these other like noir kind of spy narratives or mysteries that happen on trains. Yeah, the beginning of it um, Uncharted too. For sure, yeah. um it was it was just like really neat to like go back to that setting it's just like oh something about a train yeah um it's i don't know i don't know if it's 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 a symbolic thing of like what the train represents or like the idea of like you're literally on a journey (laughs) yeah um i think it's just like the mix of people that get on trains and uh, yeah and just like the close quarters of everything yeah yeah um just how personal a train is because everyone's so next like close to each other yeah and how secret you try to be because everybody's next to each other right um it was a cool setting it was really cool just seeing like like having these conversations play out and just kind of seeing like the way the light moved around and uh seeing people kind of go in and out of their day like you would be in the middle of a text uh a conversation and like it would stop at a you know at one of the stops and you would see like all these new people come in and then all of a sudden you'd be kind of like tat like in focused on them like oh who are all these people now like do i which one of these people do i need to question next uh 
So it was just like the way it moved was very organic. Um, it, it added for a lot of uh, color and character yeah. to, again, like a very minimal set. Like it, this is like a game that could be essentially a play. Mm-hmm. Like it could just be a one uh, shot play with, you know, actors coming in and out to the same set. Um, it was it was cool. It yeah. was like a really neat uh, little exploration on uh, what consciousness is like every basically every story involving robots (laughs) that's always uh what it's about um a really cool thing too just kind of like not knowing where your uh investigation was going to lead and the idea that like you're you're slowly uncoupling that there is like this revolution going on and that like these robots that were being manufactured weren't going missing they were being conscripted into this revolution um and like just kind of getting involved with that and then like really like making assumptions of this world just off the conversations you're having like you don't see the world that's above you you only know what's on this train so having people tell you their stories of like well i used to be this kind of tech but i'm being re uh rewritten because of like you know i i didn't make my the the managers happy with this or they feel like i'd be better used over here um and just kind of like making deliberation like is this the kind of world that like is worth protecting um and just making that assumption off the dialogues you're having um, rather than like, you know, like a lot of games do is like, here's a really long ham-fisted scene to show you how evil the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. Like in this game, you don't meet the bad guys. Like you are only listening to people's accounts of them. Yeah. Um, so it's up to you to decide like, should I side with humanity? Like, is there a reason that they treat these uh, texts the way they do? Is that for their own protection? It's like, or are they actually like exploiting these texts and in a way that requires like a significant uh regime change um right so overall like i i think like it's it didn't quite uh, scrape my top 10 Mm -hmm. um but it was a game i kept thinking about throughout the year and like thinking like that was a really cool thing that mike bithel made and, like, the idea that he's going to continue making, like, short stories yeah. that can kind of be digested like this, like, is really cool. I, um, I think that we definitely need to applaud that. Like, yeah, may, like just the decision to make these short these short uh, stories that it sounds like they're going to be coming pretty, I mean, for what's the size, size of his team? Just one? Yeah. I'm assuming they'd be, like, at least yearly, if not, like, year and, every, like, year and a half or so. Which is cool, like to get unique yeah. stories like at a pretty rapid pace for, I mean, how video games work. Well, just to get people used to the idea that value isn't shouldn't be tied to the length of a game. Yeah, right. That like you can still have a very powerful experience, and I mean, like people know this. It, I believe inherently, like you watch a movie, and like whether you're watching like Star Wars or you're watching some like really low budget indie film, like you know that like the price of your ticket is the same regardless of which movie you go see Mm -hmm. and no one goes like hey it's kind of weird that like this film that costs you know half a billion dollars to make uh costs the same as this indie film that costs like maybe a hundred thousand yeah and like no one ever kind of like thinks about that but for some reason in gaming people are always like no this game has 500 million hours of gameplay and (laughs) like Therefore, it's worth sixty dollars, but I'm not going to pay forty dollars for this game that only takes four hours to finish. And it's just like, yeah. why? Why are you making these like arbitrary distinctions in like um, 
I don't I guess it's just because like once you know movies still cost twelve dollars versus you know that's a big change from forty or sixty yeah um or more depending if you're there microtransactions but uh yeah like I don't know what it is about uh gaming that people still have to like put all these value judgments around them but like I, I really want more small games like this to come out um especially just to like let developers know like hey if you have just an idea you want to play around with like do it like and you don't have to it doesn't have to be extravagant or expensive like you can make a really powerful thing with one person uh with you know a, a small budget but uh yeah it's a cool game mm-hmm. uh one that i really recommend everyone uh, just check out especially now there's a steam sale it's probably a few bucks yeah um but yeah I, it's not our top 10 all right no okay um well, do you want to pick another one? Sure. All right. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Top tens. We got good picks. Turns out. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, so I kind of have like a ah. Uh, let Let's. Oh man. You can move stuff over to the the top ten list. I guess if you want things that you think should be on. Just like sure, sure yeah. things. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's move um, our game of the year, Divinity Original Sin, to our <laughs> top ten list because Divinity Original Sin is absolutely one of the top ten best games of this year. Okay. Um, for reasons I think we can go into more later. Um. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like I, I, I think it will definitely make our, our uh, top ten. No, it will. De- it will I'm make sure. our top ten. You're sure of it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm very sure. I have both your addresses. Yeah. It's gonna make our top ten. <laughs> yeah. I have all the time in the world to argue divinity in our top ten. Oh yeah. So yeah, like, you try to shoehorn some bullshit over divinity. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Someone take something. Rob, why don't you go? Okay. Uh, how about? Let's discuss the fine Resident Evil 7. All right. Okay. Um, who wants to defend it? <laughs> I'll defend okay. it. Yeah. Uh, it's the best VR game of the year. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah. not, I have not seen it personally, but I, I am not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, I don't know if it's best. Uh, there are a lot of good VR games come out this mm-hmm. year, but it's the only one on our list. Name so. one good VR game other than uh, Rec Room. Oh, okay, that came out last year. <laughs> it's, it was in beta last year. Excuse me. I guess it still is. Star Trek was, Bridge yeah. Crew. Oh, yeah, Bridge okay, Crew. Yeah. You can actually say make it so, and they'll make it so. Yep, make it so. <laughs> uh, La Noir VR. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that looked good. <laughs> I love the but idea yeah. of looking into a mirror in VR and doing whatever. Oh like yeah, you can do that in rec room. Into, into both, like the opposite hands and having the player model just kind of figure it out. Yeah. Um. Okay, but Resident Evil Seven. Um. Yeah. Um. I'd also say it's the best horror game of the year. Uh, oh, we played yeah. Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh. <laughs> well, that's horrific for a whole different reason. Yeah. I don't know, man. Did you uh, did you play um, Shadow of War? 
pretty scary. They burned. Ew, yeah, burned. all of Sonic. <laughs> yes, yeah, all, all of Sonic. <laughs> Bubsy uh, yeah. again. Uh, yeah. Um, um, it's like like I said last episode. Uh, it saved Resident Evil from extinction as well, which is yeah, pretty impressive. No, that was just, Resident Evil Extinction, uh, the movie. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> emphasis on stink. Yeah, oh, I oh, I just don't. I personally just don't have very strong feelings for Resident Evil Seven. I think it was a cool game. I think it was uh, different for the Resident Evil franchise, but it just it it didn't really move me in any way. Well, I feel like when you cheat your way through it, you don't really get the experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just gave myself no. Or infinite ammo and infinite health. Yeah, <laughs> yeah way to go. Oh. I'd really get that whore. Killing the games industry. Oh, some of it still came through. I mean, yeah. I saw everything. Yeah, no, I mean, you got the gist. Yeah, yeah, I think that does kind of um, taint my view on it. But yeah, I, I think oh. it was really strong for about 60% of the game. Yeah. I think that, that intro stuff. Like, just your first few moments, like, like descending into, even before that, like, when you're still outside and you just see, like, that pattern of, like, decapitated horses' heads, um, mm-hmm. and you're just like, well, right here is where I, Dave, would leave. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I'm looking for someone and the first thing I see is their nice, their nice little mobile of freshly killed horses... Yeah. That they have made here to clearly tell people to leave. <laughs> Give me um, your best Ethan uh, impression of whenever he sees those horses. He's <laughs> he was just like, oh, that's 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 something. <laughs> yeah. Ethan oh, didn't have any em- he didn't have any emotion until a bug crawled on him. Yeah, and then right. he screamed bloody murder. <laughs> and then and then someone cut off his hand. He went, oh no. And then the rest of the game, he was just kind of like, man, it's a real big inconvenience. I got to be in this scary-ass house. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... He literally no. says, stay dead. He, he does say, stay dead. Why don't um, you stay dead this time? It's like, oh, my gosh. No, Ethan is a, a wet fart. Yeah. But, like, yeah. that aside, like, it's undeniable. Like, you know, that even that first, like, found footage where you're just kind of, like, exploring this house and everyone's kind of like the fuck's going on in this house and you see your buddy there and he's just hanging on a hook um and then just like descending into this like molded rotting rusty basement mm-hmm. and just like yeah. going into the water knowing some shit's gonna happen you're just like fuck and like the way all the, the, the many times the game makes you like slide into a tight corridor where you have mm-hmm. no mobility and you're just like god damn it like i know something and like you know Effectively, ninety-five percent of the time, nothing happens. Yeah, but you're just constantly bracing for some bullshit. Um, and that tight corridor with the bugs all over the walls—that yeah. is fucked up in VR. I have to say that right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, like that is so fucked up. A lot of that stuff is really harrowing, um, especially because yeah. the game will give you jump scares to let you know, hey, this can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very different feeling than like Silent Hill, where those games don't have jump scares whatsoever. Right, like it's they're just unsettling environments. Yeah. Um, but this game, like in you know Resident Evil fashion, like with the dogs, um, with that burning corpse in the locker in four, um, mm-hmm. or with like you know with Jack, um, in this game, like it'll give you a jump scare to let you know, like, hey, don't think that you're safe at any point. 
because mm-hmm. something can come yeah. out. But then, you know, it's smart. Yeah, news. exactly. But then, you know, most of the time, nothing is going to come out. You're just kind of like your own imagination is what's freaking you out. Um, yeah. I, I thought that house was like, Im- like when I said immaculately designed, not to mean that it's clean. But just yeah. like there's something perfect about the composition of that house that like makes it just so goddamn unsettling, yeah, and like, absolutely. and when you find the occasional pieces of like the Baker family before this, you're just like, okay, like there was some kind of, uh, there was some kind of, uh, um, family dynamic mm-hmm. that wasn't fucked up going on here. Yeah, um, and that that lends itself to like the mystery, like the Bakers. At, by the end of that game, you kind of sympathize with what happened to them, because mm-hmm. um, some just like real fucked up Resident Evil bullshit happened to them. <laughs> yeah. um, bioweapons, huh? Sure, yeah, a big tanker full of bioweapons uh, just crashed on their property. Also, can I just say that right. that whole section of on the boat kind of sucks? Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah, that's where like that's a bad. Part, that's where yeah. that game like really loses you, or it's just mm-hmm. like hey, this whole mystery is like, well, that's the thing. Like, that's supposed to be the reveal portion of that game. Yeah. Like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, I think it could have been good without needing that flashback with Mia. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you need to show Mia shoot a bunch of shit. Like, you know, having the reveal that she was an umbrella agent, um, like, that's big enough. Yeah. Like, right. it's, like it's kind of weird. It's just like, why are you taking babysitting jobs far away? Like, what, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you take a babysitting job in our town? It's like, no, I'm going well, go to go drive to Louisiana to to do a babysitting job. And it's like, that's strange. That's a weird cover. Um, yeah. But essentially, <laughs> when you find out that that's her cover for being an agent, like, it's like, oh, okay. Um, like, the reveal, I don't think, is the unsatisfying part. It is just like the, it just turns into a rote shooter. Yeah. Um, it was there for padding because such short game. For sure, yeah. Subsequent playthroughs, um, yeah. And like... Yeah, it's that 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 stuff is where like its its weaknesses are. Like that game just doesn't feel good. Um, so none of the combat in that game ever felt good. Like it felt effective where it should, which is like I can't aim straight to save my life. Mm-hmm. So like when you have no bullets, when you're not cheating, it's really freaky to be like, <laughs> oh, I don't I don't have any bullets left. Like what am I gonna do? Like I can't. I have a shitty pocket knife mm-hmm. that's not gonna do shit to anything. Well, uh, okay, I played most of the part, like, I played the whole first house, um, just with, like, no cheats and all that, like, I, I did a legit run of the, the first house, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but after I got out of that, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm kind of tired of this, I just want to see the game. And turn it, yeah, like, later, it, it just, I, I feel like that reveal was, like, really cool, and I feel, um that going down into the mines reading all of the the bioweapon stuff and all that like learning more about who um who's the little, what's the little girl's name it's like um, Edie or yeah Edie e- uh, learning more yeah. about Edie and like how she kind of connects with the the broader story was cool um but trudging through those environments um especially the boat i thought the end of the game was going to be the boat and just having the the mine like show up after, mm. just like oh, okay, like hopefully this goes a little faster because the boat just felt so long. <laughs> like oh yeah, when you, when you see the map of the able... boat and you're like oh this boat has twelve floors, it's yeah, like, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like the climbing animation being slow and like the ladder anim like all the animations are just so slow and it just it didn't feel good to traverse that boat. 
Yeah, I definitely got lost at one point in the boat with where I had to go mm-hmm. to next. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. like, the idea of, like, going through each floor, and it's not something I can mm-hmm. do quickly. I have to, like, descend into the elevator, show the climbing down animation, make sure that I get the yeah. right one, get the one going mm-hmm. down and not the floor above it because the elevator got stuck in between two floors. Like, mm-hmm. all that stuff, I'm just like, this is a slog. Um, and it's not mm-hmm. scary. Like, that's the thing. It just wasn't scary right. because Mia was fucking armed to the teeth. Um, and and pretty much that game from that point on is just not scary. I would say even before. I don't think the trap house is scary either. Uh, yeah. The first house is the only part where it's truly scary. Yeah. After that, it's Well, an even game. some of the, the mom stuff. Like, I feel like it, that I didn't find all that scary, good. just more, like, kind of creepy It's gross, gross yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's super scary. She's scary. Um, yeah, she is scary. Yeah, she's definitely <laughs> Yeah, she's scary. <laughs> but, a design. But, like... And, yeah, it, yeah, some of the stuff, like... um, What was it? There was, like, a weird baby section in the mom's house. Oh, yeah. That was really unsettling. Um, yeah, that was... Oh, cool like, part. upstairs? Yeah. Like, that was, like, ghost stuff. Oh, well, I mean, you find out that it's Edie's... Right like ability to move stuff but it felt like a ghost section of just like a ball rolling across right. the floor floor <laughs> and like a door opening or closing yeah like once you're like kind um, of yeah that like going upstairs was was different than the rest of that game right um oh the first boss fight was awesome with the in the um garage yeah like i i like the yeah, like the variety of stuff you could do yeah, there are like ten different ways that boss fight yeah. can play out, and unfortunately, the rest of them don't aren't like that. What? But the it was a standout you don't like moment. The chainsaws? the chainsaw one was cool as a like visual oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, you but said yeah. it was better in VR. It was yeah, it was something in uh, regular. Yeah, controls like garbage. Yeah, yeah. Am I remembering uh, it correctly? Was are there like a lightsaber? Is there a lightsaber moment in that chainsaw fight where you go your oh, your yeah, chainsaw like, against yeah. their chainsaw? Uh-huh. Which is like not mm, how yeah, chainsaws work. In. <laughs> like, yeah. right. like there's no way that two chainsaws can touch chains like that. No, no, there's no. But way. Uh, I, can I blame Text Chainsaw Massacre too for yeah. that one. That was what the reference was okay. for that. It, but, it's yeah. real goofy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's just like that game peters out in a way that's like really disappointing. Um, and I'm just curious. Um, what? When did you get lost on the boat? Um, I got lost after that. The flashback where you you find the I think it's like phosphorus or something to burn the locks. After that part, that's where I I got super lost. I couldn't figure out like how to get the gun out of the captain's um, room, like all that stuff. I, like I'm just curious, like because you said you were kind of lost at one. I, point. I don't remember. I remember like okay. a lot of the floors kind of looking the same and like yeah, and mm-hmm. just being like, is this the floor I'm supposed to be on? And not having really even an understanding of like what I was trying to do. Like, am I looking for something? Am I trying to escape the boat? Like, I just, like, glazed over. Like, something happened where, like, maybe the game indicated what I was supposed to do next, but I just, like, was not paying attention and then just was lost on this boat. Um, Totally. The the same thing happened to me. Yeah, and I was just like, what the fuck? And so I just had to, like, go floor by floor and scour Mm -hmm. everything to be like, where am I supposed to go? Um, And that just, like, really slowed it down for me. Um, Yeah, like, I had an entire play session of just going floor to floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um but then uh preventing this from going on for another thirty minutes, do you think I do you think that we can uh cut it? Ooh. I think we could stick a pin in it for now. Okay. Let's stick a pin in it. Sure. Stick a pin in it. Um 
Um, I will. Let's see. Just leave it. Should okay. we do uh, yeah. a lightning round of what I feel are clear top ten contendies? Sure. Okay. Um, let's not talk about these yet. Okay. I think Breath of the Wild is a clear top ten contender. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know. I think you're gonna face some. <laughs> yeah. Fight without no. Okay. <laughs> I think right. I think Mario Odyssey is yeah, a clear again, top ten contender. Okay. I think near Automata think you're, you're... Okay. is a clear top ten contender. Stop me when I am not when I'm no longer naming top ten contenders. Okay. I think Cuphead as I well. I think Cuphead is a okay, top ten contender. Cuphead? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep that on the, on the editing room. Um. Well, I'll move it. We'll move it. Um, okay. I. Hmm. So that's where I think we can all agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then yeah. after this, it's a question of personal favorites. Yeah, I think you snuck near on there. But did I sneak near on there? Did I sneak <laughs> clearly one of the best games of this year on there? Um. Oh, we'll Friday 13th obviously yeah. needs to be on there. Um, okay, so can I call one out that I don't think has any real argument? Or it, not that it doesn't have an argument, but that we don't have an argument for it. Um, Just we. Assassin's Creed Origins? Uh, sure. Assassin's Creed Origins... Okay. <laughs> I think Assassin's Creed Origins <laughs> is... It, 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 every time I play it, I like it more. Um... Okay. I think it is like second to Zelda as the best open world game of the year. Um I think it might be the best Assassin's Creed game ever. Just like okay. period. Um Is that because of cuz what what I want from Assassin's Creed is like kind of a return to form of, you know, sneaking in crowds and all that kind of stuff and like truly feeling like I'm hanging low until I want Okay, to then this might not be the one for you. Because this Assassin's <laughs> okay. Creed is a lot more brutal. And you're not even okay. really... Uh, there is no Assassin's Creed order for half of this game. That's why it's called Origins. Um, mm-hmm. There is no secret society of assassins that you get inducted to. There's no, like, you know, here are the rules of what an assassin is. And, like, um, okay. you still get a lot of the MacGuffins. It's like, for some, you still get a hidden blade and shit like that. But, like, uh, as far as, like, all right, these are the tenants of the Assassin's Orders, and these are, like, our targets, you are more organically exploring uh, this this world of uh, Ptolemic Egypt um, in a time of basically, Mm -hmm. like, collapse um, as Greece and Rome, like, move in to take over all the good parts of Egypt, um, Mm -hmm. or at least all the parts with money. and, you know, like having like a puppet government and like dealing with Cleopatra, who thinks that she's like a liberator of the Egyptian people, but it's very much a puppet to Caesar. Um, it's a really interesting time period. And that's like what I like about this series is I like playing in these moments in history. Um, and I like to see them like well represented. Um, and I think that's where Origins succeeds, where the other games uh, to varying degrees succeed or don't uh, succeed. But creating like right. an ex- an incredibly believable Egypt, 
I think was really like uh, commendable. Like in the way that like I love Black Flag. Black Flag is really fun. But once you get to like yeah. Kingston or Havana or like all these Caribbean cities, they feel so small and not really like representative of like what those cities are like. And granted, these were colonial times. So like a lot of the people there were white. And uh, obviously like these cities weren't as like fleshed out as they are today. Um, mm-hmm. But there was something that was kind of like missing in a lot even or in like assassin's creed 3 like the representation of like the colonial uh establishments like i was just like this is fine but like it it felt kind of like like they got the they got the time period and like the the setting and the feeling right but as far as really making these like believable lived in worlds um yeah they could have used a little bit of work like they got better with that like i think syndicate uh, was a really good example of that or assassin's creed 2 i think assassin's creed 2 mm-hmm. did rome like um or oh, 2 wasn't rome that was brotherhood but um like italy like renaissance italy yeah. is like beautifully detailed in uh assassin's mm-hmm. creed 2 and i think that's like why so many people uh gravitate towards that one and also just like a more knowledge of that period than like the uh yeah the knights templar period of assassin's creed 1 uh-huh um but, like, as far as, like, just gameplay progression, um, like, tech trees that actually make meaningful differences in, like, your play style. Um, and just, like, just embodying, like, being in a world. Like, I think Origins uh, does it super well. And um, ultimately, like, it's mm-hmm. not my top 10. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, like, that. that's just because it's in a banger of a year. Like, to me, yeah. this is a return to form for the series in a big way. And I think a lot of people are wary on this series. But, like, I, I think if you play Origins and give it really, like, a few hours because the opening is dull and slow um, and poorly edited. There's something about the editing of the beginning of that game that's really strange. They're, like, it, it jumps between, like, four different points in time. But all these points in time are, like, a week away from each other. So you're just like, why didn't you just do this chronologically? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> um <laughs> But otherwise, it definitely felt like I was getting whiplash of just like, okay, what, what? Yeah, happening? like, why am I taking over? This it's house? one of those like design by committees things where someone is just like, you can't have the opening scene not be like, uh, exciting. It's just like, sure you can. Like yeah. this is a fucking forty-hour game. You can do whatever you want. Like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, let's throw you into a battle and really poorly explain the the fighting system. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Origins is one of those games that continues to grow on me. Like. Especially, like, I, I, I'm pretty far into it. I would say I have 40 hours into Origins, and I've seen a quarter of the map. Like, Yeah, that map is It is ludicrous how big it is. Um, yeah. And it, how just, like, neat I, it is to travel across I it. Took a moment, I, I took a moment to zoom out and look at that map, and I was like, is it really this big? And, like, can I really go everywhere on this map? Because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, disgusting how much, like, content is in the game, and um yeah just how diverse it is like just a really great representation of the nile like it, it it's it, it's just like a gorgeous well-constructed game um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't have i have my qualms with it um you know the loot stuff can go i don't like the loot stuff in this game the idea it's just like oh this is a rare bow i'm like fuck this i don't care you don't need a rare bow use a bow like Mm-hmm. Like the, I don't, the Assassin's Creed was good before. You needed to have like loot incentives in it, 
Like I, I so yeah, adding this that bow does more damage. I, I don't know. I I think too many developers <laughs> took notes from Destiny. Uh, mm-hmm. you're seeing that in a lot of games, where even like menus yeah. look like Destiny menus, and I'm like, what? Well, to the point that you have the cursor, right. and it's one of those things. Like, why? Like, I get that Destiny sold a shit ton, but the consensus for most mm-hmm. people is like, this game's kind of boring. <laughs> And it's just yeah. like, yeah, so now you all designed your game after Destiny, and like, guess what? People are going to find your game boring. Like, it's uh, that yeah. stuff was disappointing, and I kind of hope they scale it back in the next one. Like, I don't want to have to go through more, like, loot. It, it gets to the point where you just stop doing it. You're like, does this kill people mm-hmm. in one hit? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to change it out until it stops doing that. Um, I think we can take Origins off. Okay. It sounds cool, though. It's like, really good. Narratively. Um, that it is kind of the creation of the Assassin's Creed. Yeah, even that stuff I don't really care about. Like, Um, I just, I wish they would just, like, drop the Assassin's Creed moniker and just, like, name these games what they are. Egypt! They they might (laughs) 500 BC. (laughs) It it totally is just, it's so far away from what, like, the original Assassin's Creed seemed to be shooting for. Yeah, like they... Um, Like I said, just hiding low until, like, you have your moment to strike. And like seeking out these targets, and like it, it doesn't feel like it's that same style. No, anymore. more and more they keep turning the assassins into superheroes, where like yeah. Yeah. they just they're like Spartans. Yeah, they just can't be touched. They're just like these excellent mm-hmm. war. Like I think I would be down for an Assassin's Creed game, like more in the line of Tenchu, where like you really have to be hiding because if you get seen by two people, like you'll be dead. Um, yeah. I would be down with that kind of style, like. Um, but that's like a whole different thing. That's, it's hard to make that kind of game an open world game. Um, yeah, right. I mean, it, you can do it. Like you know, if you play Metal Gear on the hardest difficulty, it, it's essentially that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins already crossed off here. So okay, so pretty much every game we got on here. Um, well, no, there's I think there's two easy cuts. Um. Okay, I guess I can keep going. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, I can, I can go after one if you want. I'll I'll say I'll I'll kill this one. It's sad, but I think we all saw it coming, especially after uh, it winning our biggest disappointment. Um, it'd be okay. weird if our most disappointing game was also on our top ten list. Um, yeah. but. That isn't unprecedented. There have been games that have been in the past both voted most disappointing and top 10. Um, but anyway, Persona 5. Um, mm-hmm. Persona 5 is a great game. Like, it's at the end of the day, it, it, it's a fantastic game that is worth uh, your time. Um, but I. Th- what about your money? And your money. Um, okay. But I think in the trajectory of that series where like you know no one played the original persona game (laughs) like no one even knew what like shin megami tensai was back in uh the 90s um at least no one in the states yeah so when they released the spin-off persona series everyone's just like i don't fucking know this is this another japanese thing who cares Um, is this anime and also like the localization (laughs) for persona 1 is dreadful Mm-hmm. Um, Persona 2 was two different games, but only the sequel came out in the States, so it made no sense to anyone. Everyone was playing the second half of a game. Um, yeah, so it's just like, 
who is this for? Like, yeah. it was a really strange decision um, on both, like, Sony and Atlas's side to publish a game <laughs> that was the second half <laughs> of a game that no one played. Um, unless you spoke oh, yeah. Japanese. Which one's better? Yeah. They asked, which one's better? Uh, the second half. All right, well. That I mean, they're on. not wrong. The second half is, I mean, it's called, it's, uh, what is it? Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment. Eternal Punishment is the second one. That's where, like, a uh-huh. lot of sweet shit goes down. But, like, without the context of Innocent Sin, you don't know who these characters are. You're just, like, <laughs> thrown into a, like, in media res. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I don't need to know who these characters that's... are or why we're doing what we're doing. That's super Yeah. Weird. So, 3 was really where it kind of grew a cult following. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not reliant on knowing anything about 1 or 2. Um, Had just a completely unique style for the time, like... Really, I I think three was like, it it brought back JRPGs, which were in a huge slump, um, mm-hmm. at that time. Like people were just kind of getting over JRPGs; they weren't adding anything new to the genre; they weren't evolving. Um, and then four came out, and everyone had heard at that point of what Persona was, but maybe hadn't played three. And so, really, everyone played four, um, at least if you were interested in JRPGs. Um, and so that's everyone's baby. Like everyone loves Persona four. And for good reason. It has a fantastic cast and good story and plays well. Um, and just one of the best soundtracks in gaming. Um, mm-hmm. So 5 came out 8 years later. Like, everyone had built this up. Like, it looks so wonderful. And and just everything about its style and every trailer that came out and everything they were saying surrounding this game sounded so fantastic. So when it finally came out and, like, you started to see the rough edges, like, Atlas didn't do a good job. Uh, localizing this game there were a lot of characters that like their lines just didn't make sense um or they their readings weren't that emotional and it's just like were you guys rushed like were you actually rushed in in localizing this game because like why this game's been out or it's been in development forever like how did you not have the time to start localizing this uh you know properly um and then other things just like poor pacing issues uh Ultimately, a, a cast that did not shine as bright as the previous two games. Um, yeah, just like not enough of an evolution in the battle system. Like all these things started to like surface. And, you know, unfortunately, like 40, 50 hours into this game, which is a long time to play a game, I found myself thinking like, I don't think I like Persona 5 or at least not at like how I thought I was going to like it. Um but then realizing that like a lot of JRPGs slump in the middle, so I'm like, I'll keep playing it. Maybe this pick up, this picks up a lot. It had, you know, once it finally has its twist, which is this Ocean's Eleven mind jumping bullshit. Like the twist in Persona Five makes no fucking sense. It it it's it's basically Ocean's Eleven. But imagine if we did Ocean's Eleven in someone's brain. Imagine instead of building a fake casino set, we actually projected. Mm-hmm an entirely fake world into someone's brain so that they thought events mm-hmm. happened that didn't happen. And then we did our heist in their brain so that they thought this happened, but it really happened in this life. So like by the end of Persona 5, like your character gets shot in the face. You're like, holy shit, they killed the main character. And it's like, no, it was in someone's brain. And I was like, what I, is all this? What is going on? Like, and then finally though, I think Inception is a better analog for that. <laughs> no, it's Ocean's Eleven in someone's brain. Um, okay. Maybe Inception was involved, but they, it was—it's clearly an Ocean's Eleven thing, especially with the heist and okay. everything. I guess that's what Inception is. Inception is boring. 
Um, Inception is stealing somebody's <laughs> inner secret. Sure, yeah. Um, but anyway, like, yeah. And then once they try to surface explanations for what happens in Persona 5, they start showing scenes that are basically things that happened earlier in the game to the protagonist, who is who you play as, but there were things that the player did not see. So the protagonist was planning shit in Persona 5 that apparently the player didn't need to know about in order for this twist to work. Um, And it was just like, that's really lame, this game where I literally play this person's life every day, but apparently there were moments here that I didn't see what happened to the guy I'm playing as because that's what was needed to make this twist work. Um, It's just really disappointing and like, it it was kind of stretched and poorly thought out. Um, And then the game goes on for like another 30 hours and like towards the end of it, like hell arises. Like the city just gets like overtaken by like the fucking, uh, the metaverse and it looks like hell and it's actually kind of rad. Um, And then like, um, basically like the, the, the dungeon, the big dungeon in the game that you can keep revisiting, like spills over into the real world. And then by the end of it, you're fighting the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is like literally the boss of this game. (laughs) <laughs> it makes no sense right. like these like compared to just kind of like the trajectories of these narratives usually go like this one felt like it was kind of grasping at straws um and just kind of lost the thread on uh what it was trying to do which was basically be a story about kids living in a unjust oppressive society um so yeah like ultimately like i, I came out of that game feeling like man they kind of they kind of whiffed they went for a good idea and didn't like execute it well um and so yeah i don't know like it's i'm really disappointed with persona 5 um even though it is still a great game by all rights um it's just something that like i don't feel justified in the 130 hours it took to finish it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um which is a bad feeling so it stays. No, I think we can cut it. I think Persona <laughs> Five can go. Okay. Okay. It's got a cool style. It's got, I would say, some of the best style okay. of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Zach. All right. Do Zach, you want to keep going? No. But I want you to tell okay. me why you think Hellblade deserves a spot on this top ten because I really don't um, think it does. I was getting okay. there. Uh, I. <laughs> I don't think it's going to make it. <laughs> but if you wanted um, to, you you argue for it. I don't feel strongly enough about Hellblade as I do. Or all those like I mean, or so, all those crocodile tears you were giving us in the other category. They're they have just they're all gone. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I know I know that I'm not going to be able to make a compelling enough argument for Hellblade. There you have it, folks. Um, to make Zach it was stay, Zach so. was lying in the other categories. No, it it it's like personally, I really liked it, and I really I I really liked watching that story play through. I do think that um, it is in the same way that Resident Evil is. It's like it's got some parts that are super boring, and it's not, it doesn't feel great to move along in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really liked it. It's the only game personally. I have ever returned on Steam. <laughs> it was the only game that well, I bought and said I'm actually not gonna play this. Yeah, and like sometimes it is a little too good at making it hard to play. No, it's it excels in being something yeah. that is hard to play. Yeah. 
I will say that like later in the game, like I definitely had to stop and it, it was similar to the feeling that you get of just like emotional fatigue from or like mental fatigue from a horror game. Um and and for like similar reasons. Uh there's just it's very tiring. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, we we can definitely take it off. Okay. I don't think it's gonna make it. Do you um, not want it to make it or you just don't think it'll make it? I I really don't think it will. Um like especially where some of these games like excel at being games. Um I don't think Hellblade is going to make it. Um Okay. I'm gonna say Gorogoa. Nope. I'm gonna fight for Gorogoro <laughs> to make the top ten. <laughs> I think Gorogoro well, okay. was a fucking delight and maybe one of my biggest surprises this year. It was a thing it was a game I had no idea was a thing. I didn't know about okay. this game. Like a lot of people like kickstarted it or were excited, like, oh Gorogoro is finally coming out. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I saw it and I was like, yeah. this looks interesting, and played it and was just in tra- and, and entranced. Throughout that whole game, yeah. I was like, this is really cool. This has, like, it gave me the feeling of playing Mist again. Like, this, mm-hmm. like, let's explore this area and, like, see how it kind of grows. Um, and just, like, the feeling of seeing, like, four separate panels where four different things are happening. And, like, completely just, like, incongruous things going on. And you going, like, all right, but there's a way to make this all work together. Um, yeah. And some of those moments are so cool. Like, that, like... Being able to like, okay, this is a someone's office, and like we have to break this butterfly out of this uh, little uh, glass enclosure, and then like seeing this other thing, which is just like a ball coming down from this like statue, and then seeing how like you like basically take this huge like environmental uh, like this very like broad scope thing, and then find a way to like. Uh, to to make it click with this very intimate small setting um like all of those puzzles were so neat it was just so cool to see mm-hmm. uh the way you can make things click together and i was initially afraid like cuz i was looking at some of these puzzles going like i don't know how to even start putting these together and afraid yeah. that the game was just going to be me randomly assorting panels until something clicked but then like as i paid more attention i was like this area looks like this person's cupboard or this this yeah. area looks like uh these shards of glass that broke on the ground or there was that star in the background of that one thing or like mm-hmm. like the posters are just so creative like being like having to heat the uh having to heat that like kettle so that the little temperature yeah. gauge would change and then switch uh, imposing that over the clock tower so that it actually changed the time of day so that the guy looking through the telescope could see, like, the star and that's what lights up the lantern. Like, all of that stuff was so fucking cool. Like, like that whole yeah. game was just like, man, that's neat. That's super neat, too. Like, it just, all the th- things that look, look like they wouldn't fit together at all. It's like, hey, this is a railroad. And then you don't, you notice in the background, like, oh, there's a ladder here. And, like, the way that you would, like, that pattern. the, the <laughs> patterns that would, like, click together um uh-huh. that one was a little more obvious but like things like the uh the way you had to put those two uh i forgot what the second piece was but you basically make a rotating sun so that that guy walked through mm-hmm. the desert um yeah like that's it was like making the cogs. yeah making the cogs move around it was it was one part was a cog and i don't think the other thing was but uh 
yeah, you're just making like the sun rotate or the the, the basically the sun rotates. So like this man walked yeah. through this desert, like all of that stuff was so neat. Like I've and the thing is like I've never seen something like that in a game. Like mm-hmm. I I've seen games do things that are kind of similar, um, but to like and, and it's such like such a beauty and simplicity to its design. It's just like yeah, these are four panels like. You know, sometimes you'll mm-hmm. use all four. Sometimes you'll use one, or or like seeing four different panels like overlap so that they make one thing, um, or or the panels that would like be completely blank, and as you moved them through different panels, they would show you a different image. So oh, like yeah. you would like see this one panel, move it over, and you're like, oh, this is like the dragon monster that like I am kind of a, uh, this kind of like the through line of these events. Um, yeah. And like and the way that like it would light up all these fruit that you're trying to collect. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on in Goragoa. Like story wise, I felt like I should kind of understand. Like, I I get that it's almost like it looks like it's a, a stage of life kind of thing. It, it is. It, it is. It's definitely um, like this society at different points. From yeah. Basically, like inception uh, through its destruction and like. It, it it is a circle of life thing, and it's, and the developer said that it's open to interpretation. There's okay. not like a core narrative. You can kind of take what you want from what's going on in the events, okay. um, which is fine. Right. Like it's um, it it is very yeah. much a storybook st- like uh, portrayal of like almost like a legend. It's like it's not something that you're supposed to kind of get deep into the weeds of. It's mm-hmm. more something that's just like all right, well, like here's this society's interpretation of these events and here's this society's interpretation of events mm-hmm. um yeah it, like it wasn't like i wasn't trying to make a mark against it i just i I, di- I didn't know if i was supposed to pull something uh or like there was something that i was missing that i was supposed to be pulling it, it, from yeah the, the that story. wasn't the point for me like it was really just like appreciating how like layered the it, it's just so cool to say like here's this really detailed art, piece of art but you can zoom mm-hmm. into it continuously and see all the other things that it's creating. And like, um, and, and a lot of times I would just like, you know, when, when new environments would appear and it would have like 40 things you can click on and just feeling like, don't like, Oh shit, how am I ever going to solve this? And then finding like how seamlessly it actually is to move through those puzzles. Um, as you just kind of become like, you, you get into, you get uh, familiarized with these worlds like really intimately really quickly um Mm -hmm. and that's cool like that's something that i think games don't do especially well like there's such a there's so much purpose in behind all of like these panels and how they move and fit together um you know for for being a game that's like 90 minutes to two hours to finish like a pretty short game that took eight years to make like i see why this like the, the developer like had so much like uh, strife throughout development like he was really trying to like design this very compact experience um i, I don't know like to me there's nothing like it like gorgo was a standout title for me this year and it came at the last second I mean, it came like at the fucking like the at the at the finish line like here's gorgo yeah. this like surprise contender no yeah totally. like i i, I, mean, I don't like, want we all finished it yeah like within the past week yeah and, and i don't want that to be like a mark against it because i know like something that's fresher that hasn't had time to kind of gestate um Mm -hmm. generally has like less of a shot because people are like well i just haven't thought about it as long but i think gorgo is just like a a clear 
for me, it's a clear top 10 contender. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it is unique uh, to, especially the, the puzzle genre. I mean, there's, like you said, there's nothing really like that. Um, and there's nothing as, like, simple and as complex. <laughs> like, it has this simplicity in, in, the, in the, like, how you're only moving and dealing with four tiles at a time. Mm-hmm. But the way that those tiles kind of come together is super unique like um you you said that one of the simpler ones was the train tracks and then like climbing up the ladder on that building that one specifically kind of blew my mind of how the patterns came together yeah. of like the arches on the windows kind of went with the background of that of the the train tracks yeah that's the other thing too is like it's not just the main thread that connects it's mm-hmm. that entire image yeah the the whole image is is like comes together in a way that is like surprising and i i can't imagine having to figure all that out like in these drawings and stuff like ah yeah like thinking about that specifically is just mind-boggling to me like i felt like i was in an episode of uh the the baby the immigrant and the guy on mushrooms have you ever seen the baby the immigrant and the guy on mushrooms no it's an old sketch that used to be on TV Funhouse, and it was a baby, an immigrant, and a guy that was on mushrooms would walk around the. Oh, okay. They would walk around the world, and they would just see like uh, wonders of the world, and then it would uh-huh. cut to all three of them, and the baby would go ah, and the immigrant would go oh, and the guy on mushrooms would go oh. That was the whole thing. It was just them looking at things, and each of them going ah, oh, oh. And, like, that's how I felt playing the entirety of Gorogoa was just, like, yeah. this delight and glee as, like, these puzzles snap together. And, like, the the idea that it's, like, such a simple concept, like, just match these pictures together. And, then like, I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. that opening puzzle where it's just, like, here's a very obvious doorway um, for your character to walk into, superimpose it with this uh, cupboard that he walked into. Um, mm-hmm. And just, like, I like the idea that someone who's not really playing a lot of games will, like, play this. And just, like, have their minds expand as they, like, see all these possibilities, like, uh, enroll before, or uh, unravel uh, before them. Like, it, it's yeah. a really neat thing. Like, it's it's super accessible, but it's still, like, fresh and new. I, I, Gorgo is, like, rad. I, I, I really yeah. like it. Like, I... Yeah, it, like, it's definitely really cool. I just didn't... I didn't know the argument for it. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so, yeah, we can go ahead and put it up there if you want. Yeah, if you want. Okay, cool. Um, what I'm going to say, um, I, I don't know if this is in contention. Um, I, the only game that I want up there out of what's left is like, just personally is the Norwood suite. Okay. Um, like letting that, that, uh, <laughs> game kind of like ruminate, <laughs> like has really built on my feelings of that game. Okay. And thinking about it, um, I mean, I can I can save my argument for later, uh, if that's cool with everybody. Yeah. So we have left. So we have seven games in our uh, locked in top ten, um, and what's left uh, between the deliberations are Pyre, Night in the Woods, Yakuza Zero, Resident Evil Seven, uh, Dujana, and the Norwood Suite. Um, uh, talk about the Norwood Suite. I have a few of mine that I might cut. 
So okay. talk about the Norwood Suite. Um, so the Norwood Suite was a real surprise for me, <laughs> just because, like you, uh, I mean, you went on the podcast and you talked about it, and I like skeptical is kind of doesn't doesn't really explain or describe how I felt about it because like I don't know you like I was looking up the pictures and you know I was I said that it kind of looked like a game from 2003 or whatever and I was a little cynical about it um but I bought it and I played it and like dude that game's rad like that game is awesome and I think I think it is um it isn't cool just because like your interactions with uh, the Norwood Suite, like I think that game really specializes in kind of just like almost giving you the the setup for the story or the the narrative at its own pace. Like I don't think that you really interact with the Norwood Suite. Like you kind of just let it wash over you. Because mm-hmm. um, like going into that game, I was kind of like, okay, well I'll just play through this really quick and um, like I'll get everything I need out of it and then I'll, I'll be out. Like I need to play it real quick because it sounds like Dave's pretty hot on it. And like, that's the wrong way to play it. Like you should really play that game just sitting back and kind of letting it show you its cards and like really, um, I guess kind of investing yourself into, um, that setting and which is a unique setting. Like it's, it's super (laughs) not unique in like the look of it or anything, but it's unique in like, this society that has kind of planted the planted themselves into this uh, hotel and kind of become one with this hotel as like, like they're just drawn to it. And I think that like, especially in the music, um, it does a really good job at like setting up the, the setting and making, making that feel like a, a place. Um, it's not so much the environment because um, throughout that game, there is listener. There's a DJ playing just downstairs, and you're trying to get into the into the party. Um, I don't actually know why. <laughs> you just kind of are because everybody is. Um, you're like tasked and with it. I, what was At that? At the very beginning, you're like someone gives you the mission to go like talk to that DJ. You remember that? Mm-hmm. At the you're at the bottom of the hill, and someone's in a car. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're like, yes. yeah, you need to get in there and talk to that DJ. Here's your ticket for the Norwood suite or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah you're like an agent okay. trying to talk to this for whatever reason. <laughs> Which, okay, yeah, that's that's real good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I, I feel the music that was made for this game is very evocative of kind of how I would imagine that that place feeling Mm -hmm. um because the music is not like it it isn't just like edm playing it's a lot of like cello and and like this bass and stuff but it has this beat going on underneath it that i feel like it it just really creates that feeling of the the dj playing in the basement like it's not i don't know do you do you get what i'm describing yes it's yeah basically making the argument i made for best music yeah yeah um but i like man yeah i i just i think the norwood suite like it has its style of like it isn't the most uh beautiful looking game or like photorealistic looking game 
Um, but it definitely has those visuals of like that are just strange, but kind of work within the world. Um, like the cowboy dude with no shirt on or whatever. Like all of these these people don't make any sense, but work within that narrative. Yeah, it's very. Um, it's, I think it's deliberate because like yeah, with high fidelity graphics comes noise, mm-hmm. and a lot of your attention will move away from other parts of a game when it looks really nice. Um, yeah. Especially one like the Norwood Suite that is so focused around its uh, music. So I think like making the game look the way it does and not distracting you with like a high polygon count or like mm-hmm. really hyper detailed textures or assets. It's just part of that game allowing you to kind of glaze over how it looks um like deliberately like it still has a very striking visual style just the way like how unique everything looks and the way it's all composed um but i think it's purposefully i I mean for two reasons it's purposefully done because it's cheaper to make a game that way but also like the focus of that game is not its graphics and so like they just leaned into it like they're just like all right let's let's make this look like a game from 2002 and like and that's fine like um it i think it actually like enhances a lot of the parts of that game yeah and also like uh you had described it as like this year's jazz punk kind of um i didn't play jazz punk um (laughs) it's good (laughs) but like was i don't know from what i gathered from jazz punk is it didn't feel super kind of cohesive or at least there wasn't like a single through line and jazz punk is just kind of like a spoof on old spy uh yeah like right. tropes um yeah. with a lot of like non sequitur thrown in there and just little jokes all over the place it's just like it's just like you 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 literally stumble upon jokes after joke in jazz punk yeah um nothing is like uh gut-rippingly like hilarious it's just uh-huh. like you see a joke and you're like, that's creative. And you like laugh. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately like you enjoy just like the space that you're in, uh, you're inhabiting. That's what I thought about why I thought about jazz punk. It's not just a visual thing. It's like jazz punk is very much about being in this very peculiar space. Um, yeah. That like is foreign and strange, but still has a logic that works. Yeah. Um, that's what I felt and about like, Norwood Suite. Yeah. And like, I, I wasn't saying it was, it was similar in like style or, like visuals and stuff like that. But I mean, like the Norwood suite kind of builds up a setting unlike jazz punk. And I feel like it's cohesive in a way that jazz punk is kind of just all over the place and trying to present you with a bunch of different um, like things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, like you said, kind of presenting you with a bunch of different jokes. Whereas the, the Norwood suite, I feel like is a a complete package. Like, I feel like it's um, you kind of get, and the idea of who Peter Norwood was and like these, his disciples of music um, through discovering that world and discovering those like underground tunnels and stuff. And like, I, I feel like it just all makes sense um, in, in a way, like in its own way, like it doesn't make any logical sense, but it, it makes sense within the confines of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fine argument. Um, so like I said, I, that's the last one that I want on the, the top 10 that I feel like it deserves a spot. 
Um, but if you you can't see that happening, then okay. We'll, so we'll see. let's put a pin in it. We have three spots okay. left. Mm-hmm. Let's put a pin in Norwood Suite. Um, and uh, I want to really quickly remove uh, Yakuza Zero. Okay. Um, Yakuza Zero might I, I really like two, but it's it's up there. It is one of the best Yakuza games you can play. Um, mm-hmm. and now it is the prequel, so no one has an excuse to say like you, the excuse used to be, I can't play Yakuza four or five. There are so many games mm-hmm. to catch up on. I won't know where I am or care about these characters. Um, that excuse has been eliminated. Now you must play Yakuza Zero. Um, because it it is a it's so many things it's like uh first of all it's like a really uh wonderful piece of virtual tourism like when i went to japan like i was so thankful for how much yakuza i had played because it's like all this Mm -hmm. shit i picked up about japanese culture and just uh small whether it's like phrases or where to find things or like what stores just look like just like, all right, if a store looks like this, it's a convenience store. If it looks like this, it's like a pawn shop or whatever. And like how well all of that translated, like it's such a good slice of virtual tourism. Um, but it's a lot of other things. It is a very gripping crime drama um, and like sincere, like a, a a crime drama that like actually has legitimate like sentiments for all its players. Um in a way that no one feels like too over the top. Like there's definitely over the top shit happening all the time. Like this is a game where people are fighting on rooftops shirtless and you are fighting literally like in the narrative and in the gameplay, you are fighting hundreds of Yakuza henchmen sometimes on your way to get to like their boss. And like the game has no problem being like, yeah, Kiryu can just beat up a hundred dudes. Like that's not a problem. Like, so there are just yeah. so many... I remember there's a scene in Yakuza 5 where you fight what looks like a flood of people. It's like it's like Kiryu versus what I think is a 500 Yakuza. And he's just like, yeah, I'll just beat them all up. Like, it's uh, it's so, like, goofy sometimes, but, like, really uh, heartwarming other times. Um, and Yakuza 0, specifically, um, is such a clean package of, like, the best of Yakuza throughout the last... Uh, six games um like it, it it does so much well it it, it does uh the, the combat is really solid um all the side activities um have just really like interesting and uh and just i don't know like gleeful kind of like narratives that you actually want like something it's rare for a game for like for me at least to like really care to do side stories at all they usually feel so peppered in or whatever like and in Yakuza, like, they feel like a legitimate part of this world and these characters that you actually care about and want to help them, even if it's someone you just meet, um, just because, like, the premises are all so interesting and, and unique. Um, just, like, a really solid sense of style, um, a lot of, like, really good uh, divertisements, just like, oh, let's go hang out at the Sega Arcade now, or let's go do karaoke, let's go train some more and learn some sweet wrestling moves. Um, just a lot of stuff to like really make you feel like you're part of this world. Um, like it, it is the best representation of like 
what I think people have been trying to capture since like the original Shenmue game. Like mm-hmm. Shenmue fans, like if you haven't like jumped on the Yakuza bandwagon, like do it because that's where you're going to find that game that you wanted Shenmue to be. You know, God, like 18 years ago now. Um, <laughs> like it, it, it's just it's it's amazing. It, it's a it's a really cool uh, distillation into like everything that makes the Yakuza series uh, just like uh, the the cult hit it's become. Um, and like of a lot of games coming out in 2018, like I think I'm most excited for Yakuza Six because I'm finally like excited to see where uh they take the series after like finally updating it. Like that's that's my big knock against Yakuza Zero is it's still using the engine from three, and Yakuza Three mm-hmm. came out in like 2008 or something. Like yeah. it's an old ass engine, and like it and then and it was five in the new engine. No, five was on PS3 okay. using three's engine. Um, oh, okay. But um. Yeah, so like in in the sense like because it's very clumsy because of the way the engine uh has evolved um or I guess hasn't evolved in 10 years. Um and I can see it being off-putting to a lot of people. Um but it's it ultimately like I think it's one of the best like and, and it, it's kind of like beyond definition. It's like not it, it's a brawler but it's also an RPG but it's also an adventure game. It's also like yeah. a really gripping narrative game. Like it it fits it has so it wears so many hats but like pulls them off really stylishly. Um yeah, like Yakuza 0 is a great game. Um I think it it skirts the top 10, but I don't think it makes it. Um mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. I really recommend it to anyone who has if if anything about that series sounds interesting, like pick it up and like prepare to be surprised at just like how competent this game that seems to have not picked up at all in the west is. Mm-hmm. Um it it is one of the big anomalies like I think of western gamers it's like why isn't the series more popular like it feels like it checks every box i think it's just like this weird thing where it's just like it's a bunch of japanese actors like why should i care yeah rather than like like i feel like if if you replace the characters of the yakuza and with a western setting it would be like lauded as like a legitimate alternative to grand theft auto <laughs> um but yeah like i don't know it's a it's a cool game i i it's just a little at this point like long in the tooth as far as its engine it feels yeah. a little old-fashioned it feels like i'm playing a ps3 game on my ps4 um an engine which isn't that far removed from the ps2 engine um so i'm really excited to see how six's engine changes things up mm-hmm. um just the idea that i can walk into a building without a loading screen is real nice hey. yeah what a sounds pretty cool what an innovation um <laughs> but yeah i think we can take it off okay Um, I want Night in the Woods on our top ten. Keep one. Keep one. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, Night in the Woods is right now in the running to being my favorite game of the year. Oh, wow. It's not just okay. one in my top ten list. I think Night in the Woods might be my favorite game of uh 2017. Um. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, uh, unless you are some kind of alien creature that subsists on human suffering, uh, Mm -hmm. 2017 was a really shitty year for us. Um, Like, the world (laughs) is hurting in a way that it has not in uh, quite some time. Like, Mm -hmm. whether it's unprecedented levels of corruption that guaranteed generations of abject poverty while, you know, all the capital consolidates to, like, basically eight people. 
Um, mm-hmm. And everyone is basically too tired or hungry or distracted or filled with uh, my favorite French word, ennui, uh, to do anything about it. Like, Night in the Woods is a time capsule of America in the era of late capitalism. Like, its characters are basically oppressed by these and their lives are sundered by these forces that are beyond their control but they still carry the burden and guilt that weighs down on them and like keeps them in this stage of arrested development like um you you watch these characters and you're like you should be acting a more adult but like how can they possibly like it exacerbates uh it shows the exacerbating effects of poverty and like you know these austerity economics that americans go through whether it's like basically blending this extravagant fear with this blithe optimism and like it it really demonstrates the mental well-being of its characters and like it shows their hearts hardening uh, to these relationships that they like absolutely need to get through things um and watching like may try to reconcile her feelings and and nurture her friendships through her first like basically week back home from college like it's like almost immediately like she's going she's like revisiting all these kind of uh these threads that she left behind when she left town um and watching her struggle to like try to delay what she feels is like this inevitable lapse to another violent episode um and just watching her like desperately try to call attention to something bad that's about to happen to their town um and at, you know in the meantime while she's been in college like her friends and her family have only become like thicker emotional fortresses that she has a lot of trouble getting through. Um, I don't know. Like you, you've mentioned that you feel like May's kind of an asshole, but I feel like May's like reactions to everything in this game are really uh, she's she's on some she's onto something. You know, mm-hmm. she the things that are going on in her life and her friend's life, like it's no one's fault. It it is it is in part to a society that no longer cares about them. But like yeah. everyone has this mentality, like this bootstraps mentality, like, no, May, you need to grow up. And she's like, No, the world needs to be less fucked. Cause like it's affecting everyone's lives and like it's peppered throughout that entire game. Like, you know, like there are characters that went missing and like they don't like, you know, people in town, they're like, they don't know what happened to them. Like did they go off into the woods and commit suicide or did they just flee town? Like, and characters that like, you know, you, you come to know and love, but you like, they have these dark backstories like Selmer's, like uh, the poet we talked about in the last episode, like she had an opiate addiction and like poetry is what's getting her through her, uh, through her rehabilitation. Um, I, I, I think Night in the Woods is like, <laughs> just like the game of 2017 because it is just like hey look these keep the, like it demands that you kind of like look directly at kind of uh the fucked up shit that's going on in our world and paints it with this peppa pig like richard scary cute art style to kind of make it seem like something it's not um like I think a more manipulative uh, manipulative game director would have made it like real people and would have made a lot more scenes of crying and mugging at the camera and talking about mm-hmm. how hard everything is but instead like they they try to salve a lot of the the hardships in this game with like jokey mean uh, meme humor and like uh just like little diversions like you know Greg and uh May going off to break things or having knife fights in the woods or uh just like you know going out and getting drunk at a party like 
thing basically they're they're trying to deal with the world the way that you know teens and people in their early 20s try to deal with the world which is basically like block it out completely um mm-hmm. and not think about it and it's uh i don't know it, night in the woods to me is just like so brilliantly written um and and like smartly relatable to the audience it's trying to get to which is people around that age um or someone who has at least been through that kind of experience um yeah i i think night in the woods is like for me it is a easy easy shoe in for top 10 okay like i don't see uh myself feeling as strong about the other uh games that are left okay um yeah i mean i've said it once and i'll say it another thousand times i'm sure um i i really think that my problems with night in the woods are like just kind of personal to me Mm -hmm. um because i definitely don't see the same uh, sentiments from other people about night in the woods Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I think you're right it probably does or it does deserve a spot into the top 10 Mm mm-hmm so, Some might argue yeah. the top spot, or divinity. Well, let's not let's not get crazy here. <laughs> uh, two spaces left. We got four games left. Um, I want Pyre in our top ten. <laughs> I, uh, Do I need to argue for Magic Basketball or? No, no, that's what <laughs> I, I was just I was saying. Do I... <laughs> Do I need to, like, bring up the 40 other reasons Pyre's cool? Or can I just say that when you do a slam dunk with your magic orb, it makes a sweet fire thing that enraptures your team? No, that, yeah, that was my, (laughs) that was my hesitation there was, I was going to go, uh, does it? But, and then I remembered Pyre. Do you remember Um, the game Pyre? Where you and your, your group of magical friends play a sweet magic basketball game? yeah and in 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 between the parts that aren't sweet basketball there's a really powerful story and beautiful music (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah and also one that is completely like has pos other than divinity probably has more branching paths than any other game like like the story will change depending on like every single loss or victory and which characters Mm. that you use and like there's so much world to explore in pyre yeah, yeah. Pyre's pretty cool. I don't feel like I have to fight <laughs> Pyre, for Pyre. Pyre is uh, pretty pretty rad. All right, we got Resident Evil, Dujana, Norwood Suite. Uh, uh, Dujana is in my personal top ten. Uh-huh. But uh, going off how you feel about Norwood Suite and Rob's feelings on Resident Evil 7, uh, I'm cool with letting Dujana slide off the top ten. Mm-hmm. I think Dujana is a beautiful game um, that... I think is just like so just, just like wonderfully directed and kind of goes against just kind of <laughs> conceptions of how games should go, like how should they play and how should narratives be told and like how should worlds be designed. Like Dujana went through like all of those like check boxes and said like, yeah, but what if I do completely everything opposite of that and and still make this beautiful game and cohesive world using like these very disparate parts um i i think dujana is a really neat thing it's like a testament mm-hmm. to why we need to support like small game devs um yeah. e- even ones that have had like a series of maybe not fantastic games like 
you know, Jack King Sparrow's, uh, I'm sorry, Jack King Spooner. Um, Jack King Spooner's, uh, Jack Sparrow. Um, his, his, his games in the past have been pretty neat. I especially like, uh, B-Swing, which is his game he wrote about growing up in Scotland. Um, but his games before that have kind of been like silly. They, they seem like throwaway kind of meme humor games that like I could understand, uh, being instantly turned off by. Mm -hmm. Um, but then seeing what he made in B-Swing and Dujana, like the way he's grown and has learned to tell a, a impactful story has been really like, uh, I don't know. It, it just, just gives me hope for other small devs and even games like Near Automata, like Yokotaro's games before Near Automata weren't fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. and then he made, he made like one of the best, uh, games of this year. So, um, Dujana's great. I recommend everyone pick it up. Um, I don't know if it hangs, it hangs for me personally. Yeah. I would pick it over the other two. Um, but, uh, I don't know, especially without you guys having played Dujana, it's really difficult to mm -hmm. explain why Dujana works. Yeah. Um, okay, like, it, it'll just, it'll be, it'll sound like the ramblings of a madman. Um, so I what think. What if I said yeah. it was possible for all three of us to win? Are we going to put Doki Doki Literature Club back on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um no i was gonna say um you're gonna run <laughs> we could take off from the top 10 uh super mario odyssey and cuphead and we'd we'd be off to the races taking mario odyssey off is madness yeah. <laughs> no idea no idea what you're talking about there yeah yeah it is madness it that is probably of these games the one that is most consistently fun to play like don't forget yeah, that games but... are fun about playing and like don't forget <laughs> that like the the thing that makes them unique is that we put a controller in our hands and do them ourselves like remains of edith finch could have been a movie by like wes anderson and would yeah. have had the same impact like well we do have vestigial divinity we could uh chop I mean, that could be a book. Yeah, exactly. That could be a D and D campaign. Yeah, it would be a it would be a flip to page five billion because there are so many yeah, branching see? paths that there's no way this would fit in one tome. I see no problem with that. Any original right, so sin off no. is staying on there. So help me God. Okay. <laughs> what about uh, Cuphead? Every game up here. No, Cuphead deserves to win. Also, like, what? Yeah. Is it like, what are you talking about? Like, okay. Zach, do you no, only like just... do you only like games that you finished? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. If you don't finish a game, it doesn't count. I finished Super Mario. Odyssey. <laughs> okay. But did you really? Did you get five hundred moons? Okay. Well. Exactly. You can, can stop. Do you finish RE Seven on Madhouse? <laughs> no, because I'm not insane. Actually, I just cheated, so it's fine. I, um, I would rather okay, leave well... Dujana out. Uh, where it is, like, I don't know. Okay. I like Cuphead too. Like, I could see Cuphead coming off the list. Um, but not for Norwood Sweet. Okay. Norwood Sweet has a really good soundtrack. Cuphead is a, a is a is a cool thing. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. 
Yeah. It's a really cool thing. Is it one of the 10 best things of the year, um, though? I think it's better than both these games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know you. <laughs> I've already, I already said you could take... I, I already you, you can already take off to Jana. Okay. So it's it's you and Rob hash this out. Oh, man. <laughs> we fight to the death. <laughs> uh, Rob, tell me about Resident Evil 7 some more. <laughs> tell me why it deserves to be up there some more. Because it's like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's got guns. I mean, it's got guns. It's got stabby oh, things. Okay. It's got... Okay. It takes like four different styles of horror, mashes them together in a way that almost makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> man... So here's where it's hard for me to to grasp uh, Resident Evil 7 being up there is that I just mm-hmm. don't I think it is I mean there's nothing wrong with this I think it is so surface level um I don't think that there's like anything really there there's nothing there that moved me in any way um right and like Again, I cheated my way through Resident Evil 7, so it's hard for me to talk about gameplay. Um, uh-huh. But, like, it just felt like a slog, and it felt like, in in the way that Norwood Suite doesn't, um, it felt like Resident Evil 7 kind of just went on for a long <clears> time. Um, like, to the point where it's just like, oh, okay, well, I'm off the boat. This must be, no, okay, we're going down into the mines now. Cool. I feel like uh, where the impasse is is that we technically played two different games. Yeah. In that you played the 2D game and I played the VR one. Yeah. And it really is a whole different gameplay experience. Yeah. That is very true. I've played uh, Kitchen and Mm. I played the first, uh, I want to say up through the um, first found footage in VR. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe Uh further than that, a little further. Um. And Rob's right that in VR, it is a striking change. Um, And if you think that game is scary outside of VR, uh, it it is (laughs) it is something else in in (laughs) VR. It is almost unfair how scary it is in VR. Well, can we do this then? That's fair. Yeah. Because I feel like that is, I, I feel like you are fighting for two different games if you're saying Resident Evil 7 as a whole. Um, oh, listener, I added VR onto there. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, my experience with horror and VR is on my Gear VR and, like, some kind of clown thing. And I barely made it through the first scare and said, nope, nope, I'm done. <laughs> So and that's without head tracking or positional. Yeah, like, that's just movement. being able so, yeah. to turn my head. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine going through all of Resident Evil Seven, um, having it track where I like where I am in the in the uh, virtual space and like. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's. Mm. Oh, but man, the Norwood Suite—it's cool. Yeah, tell us more about the. It's Norwood got that suite. room with that guy who's dancing. It does have that room with that guy who's doing. He's got some moves, and you can I do like you dancing. can turn off his dancing if you move the sliders down. Ah, uh, yeah, it, it's. I think it's so funny. He doesn't like fight you. He just kind of just stops. No, he just so. stands there. Well, I guess we're done now. And then you turn it back on. and He keeps dancing. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah. That pool is really neat. That pool is good. The music in the pool area is really good. Yeah, those Beetlejuice hallways. Those are neat. I'm going to go play the Norwood Suite real quick. That that ending? The ending is something. That guy's head explodes. let me tell you. Let me just explain (laughs) the ending to you. Yes, so you you acquire a record that is that is to be given to DJ Bogart, and um, once you you have to go down into the basement where there is a a rave going on, unplug all of DJ Bogart's um, speakers, then like so he talks to you, and then um, I, I believe you get knocked out, right? The guys punch you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the guys knock you out. And then DJ Bogart notices that you have this thing that he's supposed to listen to, this record. So he then decides to take you up to his private room. So you ride an elevator up to his private room, put the the record on the record player, it starts playing, DJ Bogart's head explodes, and then Peter Norwood's like best bud, like the guy who was who was just enraptured by by uh, Peter Norwood, opens up the doors across the room. He's this old dude that's been in a bed and a wheelchair the whole game and walks up to you with this crazy smile and then it it cuts to the Norwood Sweet logo and it's just it's so insane. It is the craziest <laughs> and like you can't move away, you just get to watch this old man walk up to you with this huge grin with his hands out at like coming at you. Not scary. It's not scary. It, he's just walking at you. In VR, it would be horrifying. In VR, it's, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> it's the most intense thing that you've ever seen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about the ending to Resident okay. Evil 7. What ha- you yeah. get a flesh monster old lady thing and you shoot it in the face. <laughs> yeah. Was that flesh? Or at least I'm only like I'm only face. into this if the flesh monster old lady thing was also a, a little girl at some point. She oh. was. So there we go. <laughs> I mean, most old ladies were little girls at some point, but um, I will concede. <laughs> I, I um, hmm. I mean, oh, I haven't played Norwood Sweet, so it's kind of. Thought I heard. Some... Oh, yeah, there's something. Oh. Oh. There it is. You summon the Norwood Suite soundtrack. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Let me turn these lights off and take my clothes off. <laughs> that is a dirty, dirty move. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Ooh. Actually, I'm just going to keep it playing. Keep talking. Okay. Um, and nobody explodes. Oh, man. Yeah, the Norwood Suite. This is tough because I haven't played yeah. the Norwood Suite, so it's like. This is kind of an unfair fight. Well, also, they're two completely different games. Uh, right. <laughs> but, like, don't forget that. Oh, man. Oh, um, man. We need a tiebreaker here. Uh, oh, don't look at me. I'm looking oh, at I'm you. looking look. at you. <laughs> okay. I'm of, two, I... I'm of two minds. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, you are a hive mind. Yeah, I'm, that's right. I'm of many minds. I would put the Norwood Suite before Resident Evil 7. Um, but I think the Norwood Suite kind of is in that same niche that Gorogoa fits. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what I'm saying is we're going to really upset the bro contingent of listeners we have. Do you disagree? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, it is really hard. Yeah. Um, oh man. Okay. What if, uh, what if I did this? Why don't you just have it honorable mention? Oh, it didn't do 11. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, who said it has to stop at 10? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to start delete, deleting numbers here. <laughs> oh, there we God. go. Every, yeah, Everything's destroy everything. <laughs> Norwood Sweet can't be on here. <laughs> Burn I it hate all when my games don't make it. There we go. Okay. Uh, there. Because ultimately, I think it is a bad move for us not to have at least one of our games on here. Like making this uh, list as a whole, like all three of us deciding, I think it is wrong to not like at least have a game. Like, well, the game that you feel strongest about not make the top 10. And I mean, I feel equally as strong about Edith Finch and Cuphead. So it's not like I'm not being represented here. Right. Rob, do you want me to to take In Resident fact, Evil the only person here who Beth. doesn't have someone, <laughs> a game other than, <laughs> I mean, Zach feels stronger about Edith Finch, but we we did mm-hmm. destroy his baby Hellblade. No, that's okay. And Puyo Puyo Tetris. The asterisk <laughs> uh, down here got seventh, apparently. It's wrong. Asterix was pretty solid. It was a pretty solid game. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we have our list. It's not in order, so don't read numbers off. Okay. Can I, let, I'll, I'll just say what we have up there, though. Let's have what we have, and let's take a break. Who needs breaks? God dang yeah, it. Everyone needs it. We've been here for like... two and a half hours. We need a break. No. <laughs> I take breaks when I'm dead or whatever. Okay, cool. Um. So, what we have. Listener. Li- hey, you th- wake. Wake up. Pick your head up. Open those eyes. We have... What Remains of Edith Finch, Divinity, Original Sin 2, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Near Automata, Cuphead, Gorogoa, Night in the Woods, Pyre, and Resident Evil 7, with the caveat that it is specifically the VR mode. That's a good list. It's a good list of uh, yeah, I can dig it. some games. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now we and need to decide which of these ten reigns decide... supreme. I decide that we uh, take a, a quick break here and come back and finish this off. Let's do it. down to it folks this is the the last 10 in the running it's a real close real close uh fight here um let's talk about uh what wins 2017's game of the year presented by neo kaido also presented by nissan uh damn we got nissan today yeah we got nissan also uh thank you diet coke 
for sponsoring us. Also, uh, Herbalife. Also, um, those weird um, bra things on Instagram that you just tighten up with the shoelaces. Um, we've also um, acquired Burger King Presents uh, top the top nine uh, didn't quite take number one, uh, but the top nine are all presented by Burger King. Um, where you're a king um, <laughs> the top nine are actually king is actually what this, the slogan is there um, and then presenting number one we have um, we have the FCC presents hmm. our game of the year and well, it is um, it is chess money. by mail <laughs> chess by mail game of the year by the FCC <laughs> yeah amazing Yes. Enjoy. Think about your move for the next four days. <laughs> uh, you can play it with anyone on Earth. Turns out. Yeah. FCC loves video games. Oh, yeah. Do they? No. Yeah. No. At least not uh, multiplayer games, like offline games. That's the thing. Yeah. They saw the trends. And they're like, but what about our single player games? We need to destroy yeah. the internet. Yeah. They saw that Bethesda uh, thing at, where was that at? Where was that at? That was the Game Awards. I was like, that was recent. What happened recently? And I f- <laughs> forgot the big, the, the actual game of the year was already um, said. So, I mean, what we do here doesn't even matter. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2 uh, gets 10th place. Uh, it won at the Game Awards. <laughs> it did? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't see Jeff Keighley in this room. Jeff Keighley's favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Did Jeff... Hang Okay. Did Jeff Keighley act? Has Jeff Keighley acted before? Yeah. He was uh, Ryan Seacrest in all those seasons of American Idol. Oh, okay. You thought that was wow. a different person. That's Jeff Keighley. Oh. <laughs> oh in- interesting. Okay. So, what we're actually here for, listener. Hi. What, come on in. We're, doors open. Uh, pop a squat. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there, listener. <laughs> yeah, Rob, it's really... Let me just take off my cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a smoking <laughs> jacket. Sat down by my fire. Yeah. Won't you be um, our neighbor? Pull up a seat for him, Dave, please. Um, so, listen. All right, yeah. Take a seat. And this is this is Hold the on. top ten games. I'm getting, I'm ta- getting more seats. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Just uh, that should cover all the listeners. There. there you go. Okay, and sit down. Yes. All right. Listen here. These are the top ten games uh, of this year in no order. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? Divinity: Original Sin Two, The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Near Automata, Cuphead, Gorogoa, Night in the Woods, Pyre, and Resident Evil VR. Evil Seven VR. Sorry. Um, way, way sound good to list. you listener all right cool we're done huh yeah the, check it out crazy. yeah <laughs> order is meaningless <laughs> exactly we are Chaos anarchists rules. now yeah or reigns was, uh, congratulations mm. to puyo puyo tetris amazing uh how came out of nowhere came out of nowhere okay so really uh i'm looking at you listener we're gonna. You're about to witness something I'm not proud of. Something very dirty. Something very 
disgusting. Just abs- just downright atrocious. And that is us picking what wins game of the year and all the other spots. Where do we start? Let's. <laughs> uh, I was like, let's just do a truncated version of what we did last round. Yeah, we can. Which is, we make heading. a short list for top five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, hmm. Man, all right. Should we do this? Hmm. Do we all have picks for which of these games should be number one? I do. I think I do. Okay. I mean, I do too. I mean, they're probably not the same. Yeah. Okay, let's... <laughs> What's yeah. the whole point of this? Right. Hmm. Okay. Let's not show hmm. our hand too early. Yeah, this yeah. is... Yeah. Was... Let's talk okay. about the games that we were unsure of. Because it okay. sounded like Zach wasn't hot on Cuphead making this. Yeah. Resident Evil 7 fought for 10th. Um... Not fought for 10th, but fought for being the last uh, game on the mentions. Um, I think... um, I feel like I had a fight for Gorogoa and Night in the Woods, which is strange. Um, So, uh, I feel like those are what I would call probably the 5 through 10 spots. Um, I mean, what the, the stuff that's already there? The stuff that's already there. (laughs) <laughs> it just comes down to order um okay so i'm gonna throw out that i think cuphead is a strong ninth a strong ninth against against what's there i think cuphead is a nine well let's there's no easy way to do this uh yeah this is, rob do you yeah. think there is a title on here that resident evil 7 should pass oh man I would argue for it passing Gorgoa uh-huh. because it's kind of a one and done thing. Whereas Resident Evil Seven brings a whole buffet of video game to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. Let's see. Mm. <laughs> but what Gorgoa does, it does extremely well. Whereas Resident Evil Seven just does things strongly. You're so. right. Gorogoa is a a beautiful piece of filet mignon, whereas <laughs> Resident yeah. Evil, you get a big fat steak and there's some fat on it, and this side is burnt. There's still <laughs> some there's still some good steak in there. Yeah. And the it's question like is, t-bone. yeah, the question is, what do you want? Do you want a one delicious morsel of filet mignon, <laughs> or? I eat a lot, so this is... You want a 52-ounce Angus steak, put some A1 on it. Oh, hell yeah. Slather it in A1. (laughs) You're appealing to uh, Zach's Oklahoma side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Keep talking like that. (laughs) Seven's going to (laughs) win. Yeah, I don't know. Like Resident Evil 7 definitely is more feature-rich. Mm-hmm. But that's so. I, I feel like that's a weird rubric. Yeah, because then you're just basically like comparing genres, right? Yeah. And then and it's an just open like world games would be right, exactly. Then Divinity and Legend of Zelda and Near take this. And what remains of Edith Finch? Oh, the the most open world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
there they, that's the other thing too is like there are some very different games on here mm-hmm. um which is good yeah, yeah that's a good there, thing yeah right there's also some yeah there's also some what zach um i was just gonna say similar games okay um like divinity is exactly like night in the woods yeah not totally oh totally yeah yeah in that they uh are the first and second spot on this list (laughs) Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um. so uh, again i think that we also need to keep in mind that we I, I think it is very um, important that we remember that we are grading Resident Evil 7 as a VR game. At yeah, this point. Like, right. It's that experience that we, we are pushing forward, not... Mm-hmm. Which makes it... I mean, it's hard to, like... It's kind of weird to do that, but I think that is important that we... Uh, that we remember that. Gorogoro is like VR for the soul, though. <laughs> is it really? It's like virtually soul. Reality. Your soul will find so many places. Wow. You're like literally you inside this, of Resident Evil 7, though. I mean, you put this HMD on your soul. <laughs> yeah. My soul has mm. HDR. H. What about 4K? How are you doing nah. in that aspect? Nah. No. Soul tracking mm-hmm. is really buggy still. Um. Yeah. Well, there's a few patches coming out. It'll be better <laughs> next year. Gorogoa um, is such a different thing. I'm happy that it's on our list. I don't want to make the yeah. the the weak argument that like, well, it's on the list. Put it where you want. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just beat it up here. I'm not upset with it taking tenth. I don't um, know if it really deserves tenth though. I mean, no. I mean, there are games on here I like Gorogora more more than. Specifically, yeah. Cuphead and Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey, mm-hmm. Um, and personally, Resident Evil VR. Um, mm-hmm. But if we want to talk more about other titles that we can swap with Gorogoa, Gorogoa, <laughs> good job. Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about Cuphead? Yeah, uh, I think Cuphead could go a little bit lower. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I um, think so too. Are we gonna do the whole? Is Cuphead worse than, or is Gorogoa better than Cuphead? I think Ooh, we just that's... we just pick games and then we throw them wherever. I guess nilly nilly. Yeah. Here, I'll I'll manage what I'll call our gross estimate <laughs> top ten. <laughs> okay. That just has one through ten, and then we'll just say what what does Cuphead feel like? To me, it feels like it's a ninth or tenth spot. Yeah. I mean, what uh, defines like a number eight game? And, like, <laughs> I mean, it's such a nebulous seven, concept. Seven, seven better games. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, okay, so Zelda: Ocarina of Time definitely gets third. Okay. Uh, no. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I liked, mm, I liked Cuphead more than Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that where Resident Evil 7 is really a showpiece for VR, Cuphead is really a showpiece for what art styles, like, what an art style could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I I think it's stronger in every department, uh, where every department that Resident Evil 7 kind of hits on, like, 
like in its uh its genre i feel like cuphead does the same but does it better okay like if it feels good to play cuphead like it's very responsive i i think that the art style like rules i think the music rules i think the sound uh of like the game is awesome and i i think that the mechanics are, are really good and they're all in place and i think it does it superbly whereas resident evil 7 um like specifically the vr like it does the vr really well um but i don't think it's as well i, I didn't play it but it, it wasn't as like mind-blowing to me like seeing resident evil 7 as it was to see like what cuphead was doing okay yeah that's uh, fair. Sure. I, I, a big part of Resident Evil 7's appeal to me is just the missed opportunity of PT. Yeah. And seeing like yeah. this really visceral and interesting first person horror game just disappear. And then have Resident Evil kind of like inhabit that spirit of that demo. Mm. Um, which I think it does, like we've mentioned, really does uh, strongly at the beginning Mm-hmm. Um and just peters out. It peters out when it turns into Resident Evil, like yeah. <laughs> exactly when yeah. it's just like, hey, remember Resident Evil is also about rocket launchers and and <laughs> Chris Redfield, launch. yeah. And I'm just like, oh yeah, but maybe it shouldn't be Capcom. Yeah. Like <laughs> maybe like yeah. yeah, like they just released that DLC, the Die a Hero or whatever, with Chris Redfield, mm-hmm. and it's getting like tanked in reviews. Uh, because people are like, yeah, the action parts of this aren't what we're coming to this for. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the the weakness of the end of Resident Evil Seven. I think it's just a disservice to the whole game. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you you excise the last thirty uh, percent of Resident Evil Seven, and you have a really tight horror game. Yeah, it, I mean, if the game's whole scope was that first house and like making the the story be told within the whole narrative told within that house and like what you acquire in that house, like just the shotgun and pistol or whatever, and do it that way, I feel like that would have went over a lot better than having this kind of elongated, um, like I, I don't know, like nine hour game or whatever that kind of again peters off in the in the last half. Yeah, I'm, I feel I'm like, more disappointed. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Oh, uh, I feel like the fact that we can all agree that it does peter off at the end kind of cements it in 10th place. Because mm-hmm. none of these other games have that issue that we could... Uh, uh, I don't know. I, there are definitely moments, I think, in a lot of these games where you could say they peter off. Like, Really? Yeah. Well, just because of their length. Like, Oh, sure, yeah. I'm 100 plus hours into Divinity now. There are moments where I'm just like, I want to get out of these woods. And, you know, there were points in Breath of the Wild where I was like, I want to get out of these woods. Yeah. <laughs> and there were points in Nier Automata where I was like, I want to get out of these robo woods. <laughs> like, and in and, and Night in the Woods, there was points where I said, I want to get out of these woods. Like, yeah. <laughs> all of nice. these, a lot of these games, like, definitely have moments where I was like, I need to. And even Cuphead, like, just for the virtue of uh, its difficulty, mm-hmm. where you're like, I would like to see the new bosses, but I can't finish this one boss that I'm required to finish. That I could agree um, with, yeah. And that stuff, like, it also also makes it difficult. Like, I feel like a lot of these games do have pacing issues, um, whether it's because of their length or their difficulty, um, or just maybe obfuscated directions. Um, so it's not so much that it's not so much that it like is a slog at the end. It's just like it just feels like a different game. 
Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. It feels like they just flip the switch and they're like, this is an action game now. And like, I, it just felt so different than that, 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 that opening hour stuff in Resident Evil seven is mm-hmm. excellent. Um, and really gave me a lot of hope for this series that by the end of that game, I was like, oh shit, no, these are still the same people making this. <laughs> isn't, isn't that demo called the beginning hour? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like they know too. Like they know that. It, yeah. It's oh yeah. Like, that's what I mean. That's what they showed part. off. Yeah. Yeah. If they would have like yeah started showing off that action stuff at the end, people would have been like, mm, they put it in first person. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I think it really is unfortunate that like. I don't know. I I was talking about PT just yesterday, <laughs> like uh, describing what PT was. Right. And like I wish they would make that game. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Well, they're making Allison yeah. Road eventually. It's kind of PT. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's been like years now. Right. Yeah. Um, when did PT come out? Though? It was 2014, right? Around there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because Metal Gear Solid came out the next year. 2015. Cool. Gah. Okay. Um, so are we cool with Resident Evil 7? Uh, like, it feels so weird. <laughs> like, because I... I I can kind of empathize. I can I can definitely empathize with uh, Rob here, where it's like, did we even play the same game, guys? Like, are you serious? Like, no, like I, I fortunately yeah. I played enough of VR to know that, like, yeah, okay. this I probably would not be able to stomach a lot of this game in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and <laughs> both out of fear and actual nausea from keeping that headset on too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that's a bad combo. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. feeling like I have to throw up for two different reasons, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I can imagine this being really frustrating in VR towards the end. It's actually not; it's actually easier. I found really, yeah, because I tried the ending bit a little bit in two D just to see what it was like, and yeah. I had much easier time aiming and shooting in VR. Mm-hmm. Do you aim with your head? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that seems like it would be a lot better. Even like playing with a mouse um, felt better <laughs> because you could just move at whatever pace where like I played the the game with a controller and that was oh it was something yeah. <laughs> all right so 10th I think so okay maybe I mean let's say these are all uh tentative okay so we're we're gonna continue with let's our, say if uh, we if we start talking about cuphead and we're like mm, you know what maybe we should move it to 10th yeah like let's not lock these down yeah, as of now, I'm happy with sorry seven out of ten. Okay. So, above it, we're we're for right now saying Cuphead. Yeah, I think that's the way we do this. Is we do you think we give think a we gut should... check what should be the next right? And well, if someone has a a disagreement, they can battle it out. Well, yeah, I I think it should be put Cuphead at ninth, and then argue why it's better than Resident Evil Seven, which we kind of already did, and then why it's worse than Pyre. Then would you want to put it eighth? No, no, no. I'm saying that that's how we should go about this is like move on from here. Like we've already decided that Cuphead is better than Resident Evil 7, but is it better or worse than Pyre? But why are you Which bringing up be... Pyre? Is it because, because you that, think Pyre should be eighth? Right now. Oh, I'm saying let's not worry about the order they're in right now. Oh, okay. Let's just say, okay, Resident Evil's at 10th. What do we think should be next? And then we'll say Cuphead. And then if we solidify Cuphead okay. at 9, we say, what do you think should be eighth? Yeah, and then okay. someone we can give our uh, opinions, and if two people, if we don't agree, 
then we can battle it out. Okay. Um, yeah. And maybe give a another recommendation. Okay. Um, so I think we're in agreement that Cuphead should be ninth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk too much about Cuphead in uh our first round. Um, I like Cuphead a lot. Um, it for me it got a little uh predictable. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed seeing all the different kind of bosses. Um, I enjoyed the music and the animation is stellar. Um, but like after a while, like I was less enjoying the boss encounters and more just kind of like trying to see how to overcome them immediately. Uh huh. Um, it, it 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 Cuphead has that problem where like it's hard to enjoy the game's art when you are so focused on not getting hit by the bullet hell. Right. Like, you're focused on dodging 40 different things that you don't notice, like, the way the animation unrolls and, like, um, kind of breathes and all the different details. Like, watching someone play Cuphead, I think, is better than playing Cuphead. Well, Um, okay, but that's the argument that I could make for uh, Deep Space Waifu, where, like, (laughs) the background on on, on that game is, like, interactable with what you're doing, so you have to kind of focus on... The naked lady. Okay. So what I'm saying. I didn't. I didn't realize Deep Space Waifu made it on our short list. Of course. <laughs> well, it's it's always it's been there. I read. Uh, yeah. Okay. There, like, no, there it is. Like okay. No, I'm sorry. Um, that's not to say the cup has not fun to play. Like, no, I no, really enjoy. It, it feels like the whole time I was playing, I was like, they just made Contra. Yeah. Like this, mm-hmm. yeah. this plays and controls like Contra. Like the Cuphead jumps like Contra. Or like the guys in Contra. Yeah. Like the the double jump, uh, parry thing you can do looks like the Contra jump. Like it's it's very much like borrowing from Contra's play, which I it's fine because Contra is probably my favorite two uh, D action series. Um, you know, next to Gunstar Heroes maybe, but um, like so I was cool with it, but it was just very jarring. Because a lot, you know, before Cuphead came out, a lot of people were just kind of wondering, hey, what kind of game is this? Yeah. Like, how yeah. does this actually play? Um, you know, there's still a question on, like, is this going to play as good as it looks? Um, and so it was very, I was pleasantly surprised to find that this is just Contra with a very unique art style. Yeah. Um, but it being and- Contra, like, it, it felt like it made it easier to learn the, the game's mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't have much, too much else to say. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, not a fan being... of Cuphead's uh, non-boss levels. Yeah, yeah I, that's the other that. thing too. Um, being that I I played Contra after playing Cuphead because I never really gotten into Contra. Like I think I downloaded an emulator or whatever. But um, after I got the SNES Classic, I was like, okay. Oh, you Dave played Alien Wars, yeah. huh? You played Alien Wars. Yes, that that's one. a hell of an Contra intro three. to that. Yeah. It's the best yeah. one. Yeah. It's no hardcore. Um, <laughs> I, I, so, I like Contra Alien Wars. Yeah. It it, it was pretty good. Um, but <laughs> after hearing you say that it it's just Contra, um, playing uh, that Contra, it was very familiar. Like, yeah. I felt like, okay, I can get a grasp on this. Oh, yeah. Um, and had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I think that ninth is a good place for Cuphead. Mm. Sure. Um, what goes what we got next? Any nominations for oh. eighth place? I think it's between um, 
Pyre and Gorogoa. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, those are both my picks. Um, uh, Gorogoa is fine here. Okay. I think Gorogoa um, is a very special thing. <laughs> is a very special game um, that I've spoken at length about at this point mm-hmm. on its merits. Um, I'm actually surprised just because like Cuphead is kind of the de facto which game had like the best animation. So seeing it above Cuphead is uh, so yeah. it speaks volumes. Yeah, just how how powerful Gorogoa's art style works with its brand of puzzle solving. Um, and just its progression and everything. Gorgoa is like, uh, yeah, it's a very special puzzle game that I pity the kind of person who would not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. No, um, I, yeah, I, I yeah. feel like you were pointing at me just then. Um, no, 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 I, 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 I'm pretty sure you enjoyed Gorgo. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked Gorgo. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm sure there's a type of person out there who would find it dull or wouldn't finish it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, uh, I couldn't imagine having a heart so black Yeah, <laughs> that, that Gorogoa would not be something that would bring you joy as you solved its puzzles. So do you think it, it goes 8th or Pyre? I think it's 8th. I think okay. Pyre I think Pyre is a better game than Gorogoa. Okay. Um, um, I definitely, I don't want to say I enjoyed my time with Pyre more than I enjoyed my time with Gorogoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, that Pyre probably takes that seventh place just because there is so much more game there, maybe. Okay. I, I feel like maybe that's why um, it, like we could place it above. Um, but I think what Gorgo does is it, it's a nice, tight package. Yeah. Yeah. But. Okay. So we good with Pyre being the next one? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay. Pyre is super neat. Pyre has really cool mechanics that I kind of wish were more explored mm-hmm. Um, as you play the game. Like, there's definitely a lot of depth to its magic basketball <laughs> that, yeah. um, that I think that the way the story... I mean, you do end up playing a lot of magic basketball. There's even, like, seasons of it. Uh-huh. Since you have to do basically like another go around every time someone ascends back to the uh, the normal world from the common uh, from the downside, I should say. Yeah. Um. So I kind of wish there was just like it, it. It's actually confounds me that there is no online multiplayer. Yeah. For Pyre, there's local. <laughs> there is local, but like the idea that there's no, I would be playing that game to to this day. Yeah. If I could play online multiplayer Pyre. Um, just, and, and I would probably watch it. Like, I would hope that there yeah. was a, a competitive scene would grow out of it mm-hmm. and watch people play some, like, sweet Pyre, uh, just like, I don't know, stunting. Dude, top level Pyre play? Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or high level. Um, yeah, Pyre, Pyre excels. It, it is my, by far my favorite super giant game. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually kind of lukewarm on their stuff until Pyre came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even thought that like when people were gushing over it, I was like, yeah, these are just the people that will gush over anything this developer puts out. 
Um, so I'm glad that I gave it a chance because like I was really uh, there. There was a period there while I was playing Pyre that like I'd be at work and just thinking of playing Pyre. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I gotta play Pyre. I gotta play more Pyre. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like haunting me, like just because I wanted to know more about the characters in the world, and also just because I wanted to play more Magic basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, one of the most creative things I think that um we've seen this year. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Six. You know what they call it? The bottom six. Yeah. The bottom six. <laughs> what should lead? What should lead the blind? <laughs> um. I think Super Mario Odyssey is a good six. Um, yep. You know what? I agree with you. Wow. Really? <laughs> that you, easy? You mean um, it? You you really mean it? You mean it? Um, um no, I so, I agree with you. Yeah, so the the reason why I think this is not a top 5 is because like I I, I just feel like Nintendo made another good Mario game. Um and like it yeah, it's it's really good, but it's not as mind-boggling or like as just I don't know it's not as different as some of these other games that we have on this list um and it didn't do it didn't try different things like some of these games on this list it kind of just um did what Mario does and did it well um and yeah I, I don't know I like I had a really fun time playing Super Mario Odyssey but it didn't surprise me that Nintendo made a good Mario game um yeah i feel like maybe you sold it short yeah uh mario odyssey like is a really good game not just because of its you're right in that like the platforming is immediately familiar to Mm -hmm. anyone who has played a 3d mario since mario 64 um like so if you are used to that the way mario shifts his weight and the triple jump mechanics and the wall jumping all of that stuff uh, plays how you remember it playing um, and it's very easy to kind of get back into it they add a few new things Mario can roll around like a ball now um, yeah. like he's some faux Samus um, and he can throw his he can throw his hat out and do an extra jump on that um, which is a pretty neat mechanic um, especially for if you ever just like miscalculate a jump being able to have that one extra jump there to correct yourself yeah. is pretty cool um, it just gives Mario even more control of the space um, while he's platforming, um, which is really important. Like, 3D platformers have gone the way of the Dodo for a reason. It's because, like, people don't know how to make them fun um, and control well. Like, it's actually, yeah. it's pretty hard to do that. Um, so for Mario to even, like, widen his repertoire of, like, parkouring um, mm-hmm. And for it to feel as like natural as it does in Mario Odyssey, like that's really that's a testament to Nintendo's solid design. Um, I also like what they did with the moons in this game. I think the idea of changing it from like a level objective to hey, here's like fifty objectives per level, um, and some of them are blatantly obvious and some of them are really well hidden. I think that opens the game up to a lot of different types of play. Like if you're the if you're a diehard like collection uh 
focused gamer, like you're going to love exploring those worlds and looking through every nook and cranny. If you're someone who just wants to play the game and have fun and just jump around and maybe see the level once or twice and move on, like Mm -hmm. you're available to do that too. Like you'll just catch the obvious moons or the big triple moons at the end and then you can just move on to the next world. Um, I think it also just, it it helps the pacing because like um, I've mentioned this before, like while you're going for these larger triple moons or multi-moons or whatever they're called, um, you find like eight along the way and and that's regardless of what path you take you can jump off the you know you can take the 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 most tread path up to the to a boss or you can kind of try to parkour up the side or like there's a lot of variety in these courses they're a lot more open than the courses were in Mario Galaxy or um Mario 3D World um so giving players that sense of freedom and that kind of big uh, toy box or sandbox to play in um, while still rewarding them, kind of regardless of which path they take, just because there are so many moons to dole out. Like, that's cool. That means, like, regardless, every time you play Mario Odyssey, you're going to be rewarded in some way. Um, and then it's, it's it's just also a good love letter to the series. Like, yeah. all the costumes that you can put Mario in is really neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially because they evoke all these memories. It's just like, oh, shit, that's Mario in this Mario Paint outfit. I remember Mario Paint. I liked Mario Paint a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like these little callbacks um you know like it's not a huge you know they didn't need to like completely remake uh things you already recognize uh mm-hmm. to evoke nostalgia like like i i really like uh at the end of the game when you unlock the mushroom kingdom and it's basically the mushroom kingdom from mario 64 mm-hmm. but it's different enough that it's still unique and fun to explore yeah they could have very easily just made a high res version of that exact area um, but they they changed it and they added new little things to it, so it's still something you want to explore and it's still somewhat fresh, uh, even though it's going for your little nostalgia button. Um, yeah, and, and there's just a lot of surprises in this game. Like the capture stuff is really cool. The fact that Mario can turn into a dinosaur or a slab of beef or a human being or <laughs> a ta- or a taxi. Um, yeah. seeing Mario drive around on his Vespa is really neat <laughs> especially those challenges that were like press the button and drive the vespa and get to the other side before the floor drops be- uh, below you mm-hmm. um that stuff was cool like most of the stuff in this game is really immaculately designed uh mm-hmm. outside of the brood the broods um brutals. oh the brutals um i like the bosses in this game a lot mm-hmm. the bosses were pretty fun i just think the the brutal fights were pretty lame um i don't know it was a pretty good uh Metal Gear. Sure. At the end there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Mario Odyssey is is more than just more Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, it's just kind of like the Switch is this very successful platform. And I think like Nintendo understands like we need to give something people something people something familiar, but still not completely bore our development team and tell them to make the same thing. Yeah. So I can tell a lot of the fun in making Mario Odyssey was like, what can Mario turn into in this level? Um, mm-hmm. And having that replace the powers is pretty cool. Like you don't get the fire, yeah. you know, you don't get the the fire, uh, the piranha plant anymore. You get the uh, hammer bros that shoots fire. Like, yeah, um, that stuff's neat. And like mm-hmm. a lot of it works. Like, like, like I mentioned, when you get the uh, ability to throw hammers with the Joy-Cons, like... That was a, a little yeah. neat moment <laughs> in this game 
uh-huh. where I I did a drum solo and shot out all these hammers. <laughs> yep. Um, and like where I think Super Mario Odyssey excels is the fact that like at no point I, did I feel like I didn't get the 500 moon challenge or whatever. But at no point I I I just didn't feel frustrated or like aggravated at any of the the gameplay mechanics. Like I I never really had to bang my head at anything. Uh, or nothing that I just felt was like okay, well this is just dumb at this point. Like I, like I'm doing this right. Like it all felt good, which apparently is really hard for three platformers uh, nowadays. But it just felt good to to control Mario. Um, and like again, uh, like you were saying a minute ago, like this game is very celebratory. Like and I like that about it. Like it it really it gives it like a certain style that a Mario game hasn't had. Um, and like the way I described it on the, on the podcast was like bombastic. It feels very bombastic and kind of, it feels very loud and I like that about it. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm happy with it at sixth. Yeah. Yeah. I think fifth can be. Yeah. Either. Okay. Um, Hold on, let me reference my personal game of the year list. Yeah, that's I keep going back and <laughs> forth in mine too. Um, I am cool with it being either. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a preference, but okay, either Divinity Original Sin Two, uh huh, which we all know is number one. Yeah. Or uh, near Automata. Um. Wow, that's a uh, that's surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. It's Imagine. very. Huh. I think personally, I think that if I'm reading you right, it sounds like you liked Divinity <laughs> as a game <laughs> a whole lot more than Near. But I could be reading that wrong. Like I feel like you liked the the themes in Near, and I think that you like the story, and I think you like how um, just kind of uh, crazy Yokotaro went for Near. But it sounded like you loved the um, just the openness of Divinity and kind of being able to create your own story in that and i remember you said like that's how you sold me on divinity is just the fact that you can tell somebody what you did in divinity uh original sin uh one and two like you can tell them your story and it can be completely different from whatever they saw oh yeah and i think that's really cool and i don't know i so you just from the sound of it (laughs) you are right that personally i like divinity more than near Mm-hmm. Um, they are ex- <laughs> very different games. Yeah. Um, and if if there were different stipulations thrown in, there would be reasons that Nier would be the better game. Mm-hmm. For example, if you only had forty hours to play either game, you would get more out of Nier, which is roughly how long it takes to finish that game and see all its endings. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Whereas forty hours into Divinity Original Sin Two, I had just finished Act One. Like it, it's <laughs> yeah yeah it is it would barely was ready to tell me the actual arc of that game's narrative, um, 
because of just how long it takes to do anything in Divinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, like when I think about it, I think of Nier as this really great game I played that, you know, maybe down the line, like I'll revisit, um, you know, hopefully, uh, they release some more content for it or a special edition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and gives me a reason to kind of explore that world again. Cause I kind of played, you know, the game inside and out. Yeah. Um, so I'm not immediately incentivized to go back to it. Um, Whereas Divinity, like, now I'm a hundred plus hours into it, uh, just got to Act 3 um, of, I believe, 4 or 5. Um, and I see myself playing that game for, you know, like, the next, you know, four months. Yeah. Until I've, like, finally, like, exhausted myself of everything there is to do in it. Um, so I would say that Nier fits the number five spot better than Divinity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, does anyone have objections or think another game fits there better? Mm, no. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um. Again, just based on the like the room, <laughs> like the feeling in the room, it 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 seems like near is a good spot or yeah. a good pick for a fifth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I've talked at length about near. Um. Yeah. I'll keep it short. Uh, Nier is just a very surprising game. It is, uh, I don't know, like, whatever you go into Nier thinking it's going to be, it's going to surprise you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, it's brilliantly designed. Like, it's one of those things where, like, people have been talking, you know, totting, uh, Yoko Taro's brilliance for years now. Like, since, like, the original Dragon Guard. I have mm-hmm. I have known groups of people that are like this Yoko Taro guy. He is like the next auteur developer. There's no one mm-hmm. like and I and I played all these games thinking like what are you talking about? Like these games are borderline unplayable and their stories are incomprehensible. <laughs> like and not to mention they're poorly localized and I'm just there like why do people like see something here? Um there were always parts that I found intriguing, but ultimately they were always too messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nier is like the most refined work he's done yet um, as far as being able to kind of consume it and not feel like you're losing your mind. Um, like, it, it, it's just really brilliant. The idea of like, it, it sounds like a slog. It sounds like the idea that you have to beat this game multiple times to see everything there is to see. Um, sounds awful. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something you don't want to do. Um, especially when you play that game in the first playthrough, it takes like 20 hours, like, and then you think, do I really have to play this game like another 40 to 60 hours to see everything? Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, especially because like there aren't too many revelations in that first playthrough. There's a lot of cool stuff for sure. Um, but once you start playing that game and like, seeing different perspectives like you know you play the second playthrough as a different character who can hack into characters uh memories so you're seeing all these different perspectives that you that weren't present in the first playthrough and by the third playthrough it's a completely different game you're no longer playing the same stuff you're playing a continuation of that story Mm -hmm. um so it's almost like this mini sequel they threw in um as an ending um even though it is a proper sized game and then you start playing as uh characters you never thought you'd be playing as um like so many twists and turns like like 
it's just such a solid exploration into um, what what has been kind of beaten to death in any any media. Just the idea of like, let's talk about existentialism. And it's like, let's not. Like, <laughs> I got I got that out of my system in college. Yeah. Uh, but to see a, a game do it so well and do it through the gameplay rather than the narrative, like let you experience a lot of uh, what these characters are going through by actually doing things like messing around with your inventory or messing around with the sound design or uh, doing cool things like overlapping your uh, previous uh, playthroughs with your current one. Mm-hmm. So like in the second playthrough, when you're rebooting 2B and you're playing as 9S, um, in the first playthrough, you're just choosing your settings. Um, and then in the second playthrough, the recording of what you did in the first one is, is superimposed into what 2B, who you're no longer controlling, is doing. So it's like this really cool realization. They're like, oh, shit, like 2B is playing the way I played her in the first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cool touches like that that really like um, make all your decisions seem really meaningful. Um yeah, and you know, coupled that with some gorgeous like uh combat um just like a like the I would say the best soundtrack of 2017. Oh. Um <laughs> and and just like there are so many solid things about Near uh, Automata like um it's really easy to look at that and go like this looks like some anime bullshit. Um mm. but I think like I, I, I have trouble thinking of anyone I've recommended this to that didn't come back to me saying like, oh, yeah, holy shit. Like, this is a really neat thing. And I'm glad that I played through it and stuck it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I, I wish there were ways that you could capture all the the good things about this game in less time. Because for sure, there are parts of the especially the second playthrough that are slogs because you are legitimately replaying something you've already played. Right. Yeah. Um. And I don't think that's the best. I think the second act could have been heavily uh, truncated and you would have had an even better experience. Um, but ultimately, like, I think this is Yokotaro's best work. This is platinum, not their best character action work, but definitely one of the more the, easily, actually, the, the most interesting narrative they've ever uh, been a part of. Um yeah, and overall, it's just, like, a really cool thing. Like, I'm excited to see what the next Nier is now mm-hmm. that, like, it has a legitimacy in the gaming landscape. And hopefully that will, w- with that will come a larger budget and a bigger team. Um, I- I'm really excited to see what uh, what they come up with next. Yeah. But number five? Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Um, are we putting Divinity... And fourth, or... So we have What Remains of Edith Finch, Breath of the Wild, Divinity, and Night in the Woods. And Breath of the Wild. Um, I said that. Um, yeah, Divinity is a good uh, spot right right there. Yeah. Right in fourth. Okay. Um, I feel like this is about to get dirty. Yeah, we're... Oh, shit. Is shit about to get filthy? Feel. Um, filthy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Divinity: uh, Original Sin Two. Uh, I know you guys want to move on, but like, <laughs> no, no, that's cool. I feel like it, it, what what's the point of making a top ten list if we're not talking about why these are on here? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, 
I was just looking at what's left. That I wasn't okay. Um, I think Divinity: Original Sin Two is the smartest game that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no other game on this list that makes you think as much as Divinity: Original Sin Two does. Um, it's and not like a dull kind of thinking. Like, I wonder what the themes of this are. But like, literally thinking about your every action. Um, there's something really cool about Divinity. Like every encounter that you go in where you are kind of presented with this giant list of options of how you can play out any encounter mm-hmm. and, and legitimate options too. Like, um, and options you might not even thought of about like, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit when I talked about this game earlier this year, like the ability to trigger a battle, but have a different party member, like escape from that battle and go like f- look for help um, while the other battle is paused so that you can kind of like affect the battle from outside in some unique way. Um, and sometimes that means like cheesing the system. Sometimes that means like you draw attention away from an enemy so that one en- one character can leave a battle and then just use the, the sleeping roll so they get all their health and MP back mm-hmm. and then just run right back into the battle. <laughs> like um, stuff like that. But just everything from speech checks to... Um, just like, you know, uh, being able to kind of manipulate uh, different characters to think different ways so that, um, you know, instead of having to fight 400 people to get into a, an area, you can just kind of like schmooze your way through it. Um, or or not, like depending, like all these things are contingent on kind of who your character has become throughout the game, which I think is another smart thing Divinity does, like... If you are someone who is constantly telling or, or like choosing the joke answer, the game will just uh, like uh in, like put upon you like jokester. And then like you will just kind of that'll just be part of your personality. And then like you will have more joking options. Um or if you have like if you do heroic things, it'll say you're a hero and then you can have like you can do more courageous speech che- or uh skill checks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um that might, you know, like and again, like you can every basically the, the arsenal of things you have from your weapons and magic, your party members and your kind of different proficiencies um, mm-hmm. all affect every encounter you ever experience in these games. And uh, because there are so many different variables involved in how you build your characters um, and it's all shaped basically on like how you choose to approach any environment or if you choose to, uh, you know, which order you decide to do things like all of this stuff will create a very different party. Um, and like, I, I like it because there's there's such a genuine sense of challenge in this game that doesn't exist, I feel like, in most other games. Um, I was playing uh, Getting Over It with Bennett Fondy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about the inspiration for that game being the game Sexy Hiking. Um, and he says that the thing about Sexy Hiking that he enjoyed... Uh, was this one part at the very beginning where there's a tree that you have to go around and most people can't even pass that tree. Like, it's the first obstacle in the game Uh um, and most people can't even get through that part. And he's like, I enjoy that because it is a legitimate obstacle. It is a thing that really, like, bars your progress and you have to, either through perseverance or your wit or whatever, find a way around it. 
And he's like, games today have so many artificial obstacles. Like, they'll throw an obstacle at you, whether it's a boss or enemies or whatever. But you already know, you're already convinced that you can get past it. It's not actually an obstacle. It's just a thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the cool thing about Divinity is that, like, it throws legitimate obstacles at you. There are a lot of points in that game where you're like, I cannot beat these enemies. Yes, it does. Like, I I am not (laughs) able to get past these guys. And so you're there like what can I do? Because, you know, the game doesn't randomly spawn enemies. You can't just level up Mm -hmm. um, and come back. You have to think like, okay, I have to approach this a different way. Like whether that's completely changing my class and thinking of a different way to approach this or finding uh, the person who might have the answer to how to get through these enemies without uh, starting a conflict. Like there is so much legitimate decision, um, decision making in Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, and the way that like all your choices bleed into that world, um, it feels like it's one cohesive clockwork world, unlike other open world RPGs. Like I'm thinking of, you know, like a Fallout or a Elder Scrolls or whatever, where like there are missions that kind of give you a hint of choice, but ultimately, like at the end of that, uh, at the end of that mission or that objective, like you just come out of it with more experience and maybe a new item and you haven't really affected the world in any real way. Mm-hmm. Um, and divinity is like the opposite of that divinity. Definitely. Um, rem- it's like if the telltale, this character will remember this thing existed in divinity, it would be flashing all the time. Cause like everything in this world remembers what you did. Even from like some of the trees that you walk by will remember like if you uh it, what they saw because like those they're sentient but you had no idea until later on in the game when like you're being questioned for your motives and then like this character out of the blue shows up they're like no i saw you do that <laughs> just like what the fuck um that happened with like a group of scarecrows in this game where like i committed a crime and then got called out on it and then a scarecrow came in like <laughs> and basically was the witness and i was like oh okay even the scarecrows in this game are fucking sentient like um it's just constantly surprising and a, a good good time like it really feels like the best game of D you can play by yourself mm-hmm. um yeah and it has good I, characters and good writing and it's beautiful and just a really interesting world to explore on the topic of like actual um obstacles like you're totally right like i what you can have four party members yeah yeah three of my party members no yeah, three of my party party members just died in the like the first like dungeon area that you get to, and I had already used my resurrection scrolls, and um, yeah, there was no way for me to continue in in divinity in divinity unless I went back about seven hours and re like restarted everything that I had already done and like did it a different way. Um, like yeah, that game totally has serious obstacles and. <laughs> Like, it's not messing around. Um, Like, also, it's not really my type of game um, as far as, like, what I'm used to playing. So it was a little bit... It was just more difficult for me to wrap my head around what I was able and not able to do. Um, Yeah, I mean... The beginning of that game is definitely punishing. mm -hmm. Later on, like, your characters become so powerful (laughs) that, like, the combat isn't really the difficult stuff. It's more about you're just... Uh, choices that you have to make as mm-hmm. far as like which characters you're gonna side with um 
But like, no, like I'm at a point now in the game where like I have one character who can make different portals. So like I will just make a portal near someone and a portal by myself. And then instead of having to waste, you know, five turns running towards them, I just kind of mm-hmm. grab them through the portal. Um, you can just, I have, like, I have three different characters that have teleporting spells. So if characters try to like gang up on us, we just teleport them all over the field. And then like, you can just do things to fuck people up. So like you can cast spells like through portals. Uh, to fuck people up so like you can trick people into like casting spells on themselves and like uh or if you find like you know a paladin who's healing all these people you just curse them and then like um yeah there are so many different ways to affect the environments the fact that you can turn like a puddle of blood into like a a steam cloud of blood and then like which will allow fane or any necromancer to basically like summon demons out of it um but also like curse it so that it becomes poison so not only is it a a force of like offensive uh capability but you can also just stand on it and heal yourself (laughs) like there's so many neat ways to affect everything in this game like it's it's like i said it's just like the game that's constantly the reason it takes so long is because every battle you're sitting there like i have 30 things i can do like what should i do and again Mm -hmm. it 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 it, it, it's in parallel with how dnd campaigns work where, like, someone says, okay, here is your options, and you have to sit there and think, like, what is the best option that doesn't kill me? Um, it's a lot more than just attack the guy with my most powerful move. Definitely. Yeah, it's a cool game. And I, right. as soon as I finish it, I'm going to play it again. Oh, wow. You're yeah. not going to make your own campaign? I might. That'd be cool. I'd Why not it. both? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, th- three left. Oh, there are three games left. Listener, look at me now. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and Night in the Woods are uh, just sitting around here. All right. Oh, I think Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild is a good number three. Yeah? 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... I think Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a killer game. <laughs> like, I think that um, they made something special and they really kind of, I don't know. I, I don't think they really had to like make something completely different from the rest of uh, the Zelda games because it's like either way, it probably would have sold. Um <clears throat> but I think Breath of the Wild is a prime example of what an open world game should be. Um, I think it is a an amazing sandbox, and I think that's kind of how they went into it was thinking that this is a sandbox first, and um, like I mean, the story has never like really been the draw to Zelda, <laughs> considering it's basically the same every time. Um. So I, I think that it was smart of them. Like I said, it just seems like they went into it saying that this is a sandbox and giving you the tools to ma- manipulate uh, the world in like a million different ways. Like uh, just seeing the different stuff that people do where they, they launch themselves across the map or um, do shrines in crazy ways that you would have never expected, I think is a real testament to just how open uh, that game is. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think that it, like the polish of Zelda or Breath of the Wild is 
like unparalleled in in the open world gaming space. Um, and I, I think it, it's good that they they made something so uh, focused on exploration and it, like making Zelda feel new and like maybe a little bit more mature than it, it was. Okay. Um, I agree with you. Okay. I think Breath of the Wild uh, takes it over what remains of Edith Finch. Hmm. Ooh. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, forget you two. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're leaving now. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Take a, take a breather. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you, reader. Okay. Or listener. But I like calling you readers. I like when you call them readers. Yeah. yeah. Something. Good. You're too smart. Good about that. You love reading. Everyone loves reading. Mm. Reader, you've probably heard a lot about Zelda this year. At one point, a friend of yours told you that they just got the new Zelda, and they gave you a look reminiscent of a young man receiving their conscription notice to go to war. <laughs> if you're like me, you've had multiple dreams about it. After all, your mind is just bombarded with image of Link for dozens, if not hundreds of hours. There's a fervor around Zelda you haven't experienced since the Ocarina of Time, or if you're an oldie like me, the original game. Breath of the Wild deserves all of the zeitgeist it received this year. It did more than just reinvent the wheel for Zelda. It showed the industry how to create a vibrant open world. Paradoxically, let me try that, paradoxically, by removing things for the player to do. Focusing more on the journey rather than the destination, Breath of the Wild allows players to blaze their own paths and create their own playstyles. It was bold for Nintendo's first truly open-world game to defy so many open-world conventions, but it does so with such aplomb that it will be undoubtedly the game that other developers study for the next decade. Uh, Breath of the Wild is such a fucking good game. (laughs) It is like... No, it is a really good game like it took one of the most stagnant genres and it also took zelda the series which for like the last 10 years has been in a downward spiral Mm -hmm. and it completely reinvents them both like it made open world games interesting in a way that like you know it it made a very fantastic game like horizon zero dawn basically disappear into obscurity for a lot of people (laughs) yeah like gorilla made this amazing open world game they were crying while they were talking about it in their development diaries like we finally don't have to make fucking kill zone they were so happy to make this beautiful game comes out around zelda no one fucking plays it like that's not true it sold really well but like either way like that is not there's not going to be a top 10 list this year where someone puts horizon over zelda like Zelda destroyed it mm-hmm. by doing <laughs> by hilariously like just getting just sweeping every open world convention of the carpet. It's just like, hey, you know that thing that games do when like there's a bunch of icons on the map? How about fuck that? How about instead you have to look with your own eyes and go, that looks cool and walk over to it. Mm-hmm. And like in doing that, they made like exploring interesting again. Like that's the whole crux of this series was Miyamoto like to explore caves in whatever town he grew up in. And they're like, they made that game again. They're just like, oh, this game should be about exploring, not about checking off things off a list. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they didn't just like make a cool open world game. They added a lot of conventions to Zelda that are like really cool. They 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 like the 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 way that the world reacts to everything. The idea that like there can be a thunderstorm that will just wreck your shit if you're if you have any metal on your body. So you have to throw your sword before you get blown up by a like a a rogue lightning strike and then realizing like oh shit i can just throw that at an enemy and they're gonna get hit by the rogue lightning strike and then just like trying to time that shit out and like like all those times you go i bet this can work and seeing it work happen and like the way that they, they just made this really intricate physics system for a zelda game um that just like that it was unlike anything that's been in a zelda game before or an open world game like Mm-hmm. It, it has such a there's such a um just like uh unprecedented sense of like discoverability and uh ex uh experimentation in breath of the wild that like it feels even like the like the the, the smallest little thing like sneaking up to a, a bacoblin camp can become this big fucking uh like what's it called um Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Solid Snake. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, it turns into like a. Oh, who's the the? God damn it! The, it's the saxophone song. The British. Uh, the British saxophone guy. Um. Um. Eric Basie. <laughs> I will find it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Yakety Sax. Who is the Yakety Sax? Benny oh, Hill. Oh, 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 Benny Hill, yeah. Benny Hill. Like, so many Zelda encounters turn into a Benny Hill, like, uh, comedy sketch. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, all right, this was going to be something as easy as me sneaking up to this camp, blowing up their shit, and stealing it. But then, like, oops, a, a gust of wind came in, and my bomb went the other way, and all I did was alert them. And then they sounded their horns, and now they're all chasing me, because I ha- broke my sword accidentally. And then you have to just kind of improvise. Like you, there are so many times in the game where you just run around because you have no weapon, and it's just like Link looking around, like something here has to work. Um, and whether that's just like hightailing it because you're fucked, or finding like a way to do something, like oh, there's a there's a fire, which means there's a gust of wind. I can jump. I can use my leaf to gut over that cliff. And when I'm on the top of that cliff, I can find something to throw down at them, like. Or be, or just like you know, you have your your runes and be like, all right, there's a big sheet of metal right there. I'm just gonna pick that up and just slam it against these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many just like solutions in this game, um, that you that you just kind of improvise. Like I haven't, that's never been part of a Zelda game. Like Zelda games have always been so elegant. It's always been like there's one solution to this puzzle, and you have to find it, and like you have to find the correct order to manipulate this environment for that for that solution to go off um and this game is just kind of like i don't know you that might work try it um and then how about that like there's just so much cool shit to find in this world it's so expansive and just like and just like little challenges that appear in there like you land on an island and it's just like hey welcome to eventide island we're gonna steal all your shit good luck surviving on it and having like this little mini challenge um where link just basically has to subsist off nothing and defeat these like giants um it's like a little microcosm of like what that actual what that whole game is mm-hmm. um yeah like breath of the wild is like a phenomenal game it's it's one of the smartest games that like uh we've i've played this year and 
I don't know. It's it was always engaging. Like it it haunted my every waking moment when I wasn't playing it. Um, and apparently, like I was playing the shitty Wii U version, which everyone says is bad and has slowdown. Yeah. So apparently, I was playing an inferior version of this game, and I still think it's one of the best games of the year. Well, I mean, that's only because your bar's so low. My bar solo. Your, oh, your my bar. bar is so low. Your bar is so low. <laughs> yeah. Um. Man, really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like, ah, uh, dude, I, I think What Remains of Edith Finch. I, I don't think I know that is my favorite game of this year. It's I, really good. That game moved me in a way that no other game did this year. Like. Not Hellblade, not Puyo Puyo Tetris. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. But what remains of you to think? Because you, yeah, you named a good game against two, or one bad one and one that's Tetris. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, Edith Finch is great. I really enjoy yeah, Edith, Edith Finch. Finch. Is great, and I think Edith, that I would is... say it's one of the top three best games of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huh? Uh, in a, yeah, in a year of excellent games. Yeah, that is something to be said. I, Rob, back me up. Uh, Are there any sharks in uh, Night in the Woods? Okay, stop it. Yes. (laughs) I know. Don't give him a foothold. Oh, no, this is my defense. Because that is one of the best (laughs) amazing moments in gaming. There there are sharks both in Night in the Woods and Legend of Zelda. And where do these sharks live? In your computer. (laughs) In the water. No. In Night in the Woods, it lives in your computer. It does. Oh, oh, literally. Okay. And you click on him, and he goes, <laughs> okay. That's and he's the best. Good. He's a really good shark. He's not a really, he's a fine shark. He's a great but shark. Not the best shark this year. No, a shark rolling down a hill, full physics, uh, gathering speed. He's, oh, he's, does he, okay, does that hat, does that shark have a little hat on? Does he need oh, one? Man. Does he need one? <laughs> of course he needs one. No, he doesn't. You're not about to tell me a shark with a hat is worse than a shark with no hat. <laughs> Do sharks laugh? Yeah. No. No. They are constantly grinning. Look at their faces. They're not supposed <laughs> to. There's like hee hee hee. No. Brucey would be upset. Um Brucey. No, <laughs> Bruce, the the shark yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah. Fish are friends. Um not food. So <laughs> dude, what remains of Edith Finch is my favorite game this year. Like I it it's a good game. It is amazing. It is like I I I don't even have like words to describe how I feel about that game. Like um that doesn't mean I didn't write down notes. Uh <laughs> I think of it I think of it this way. Okay. There are two kinds of games. Okay. There are like good games <laughs> and bad games. There are games that are um Let's see. There there are games that are perfect representations of the of a genre. Mm-hmm. There are games that say, here are the strengths of this genre. And there are games that are transformative that, because of their existence, make other games better. Like, because of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there are going to be a lot better open world games in the future that learn from Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Edith Finch, n- no developer is going to play Edith Finch and go, I should use that in my next game. Because they're just going to remake Edith Finch. So, like, is that your argument for... My argument is that Zelda is a game that is 
it is not just good in 2017. That is a game that people are going to be studying in the future when it comes to like good game design. Agreed. But then that means that Zelda wins game of the year and not Night in the Woods. We can have that argument too. We're just talking about Zelda versus Edith Finch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, Edith Finch will change subtitles for the better. No, okay. <laughs> but they will fly around the screen okay. in a way you've never seen before. Yeah, but it's like, uh, uh, Edith Finch. Like I'm talking about what's there, and Edith Finch. Like what is there is just so artistic and it is so like just beautiful. Like the whenever you go into that house seeing all these closed doors and like it feeling almost like a museum of who Edith Finch's family is. And like, it really reflects how, what she knows about her family and like what you know about her family, family, like you share that kind of feeling of discovering who they were by walking into their rooms and like, and literally embodying them. And like, again, like I think that's so powerful with like, you have this literal metaphor um, whenever you first walk into the house of just like peeping into these rooms. Like you're able to to look into each of the rooms and you, like, yeah, you can kind of get a sense of who these people are, but like there's nothing really there. Um, and then just being able to explore through like the nooks and crannies of this house. And like I said, literally get a glimpse into their lives and, understand who they are through their story and like what they have in their rooms and like what they're passionate about and being able to play as them and having all of those stories kind of come together and build towards that central narrative. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's awesome. Like, like, yeah, you're playing through these, these individual stories, but it builds on the, the family as a whole and like your understanding of the family. And yeah, no, I know this. Yeah. It's a really good game. Yeah. I would yeah, play an but... entire game of just that uh scene with the uh pseudo tales from the crypt uh thing and I would play yeah. an entire game that was just the fish chopping kind of exploration <laughs> thing. <laughs> I mean, that's two full great games inside it's Brothers. Of, yeah. I mean, it is, but Brothers didn't really have fish chopping. No. <laughs> and also, I think that like having this game uh, like every part of this game is just expertly crafted to me yeah it's brilliant i think that it says all that it needs to say in a short amount of time and i don't like i i think it's good to praise that in games whenever like they say everything that they need to say without dragging on and like even parts of of zelda drag on even though yeah what parts that's what i want to ask what part of zelda isn't expertly crafted just okay part where it's a zelda game which which part of zelda like isn't incredibly like well realized like what part of link's repertoire of moves did you think were boring did you think fighting the guardians was dull did you come on was (laughs) is it is it boring to ride on your horseback and then do a backflip off your horse and mid-air shoot a dude in the eye with your arrow and then land back on your horse and then look towards the camera and fucking smirk because that was the coolest shit you've ever done like Link will just be standing there and he's on the top of a mountain. He's like, I could run down this mountain like a fucking jabroni or I can just get my shield and snowboard down this mountain. And then, oops, I fell off a cliff, but I'm okay because I got this sweet parachute. 
and then you fucking sail into looking sweet. Then you can just land on your horse like a total <laughs> badass right off into the sunset. Okay. Like there are so many cool things you can do in Zelda and it's all in the service of like exploring this amazing world. And like, I, I don't know, like, yeah, Edith Finch is a really good stroll playing game. It's probably the best stroll playing game that I've ever played. Like, but it, it's, it, it tells its narrative really well. It's a really good story, but like, it's a thing that's been done. There have been stroll playing games in the past that have told affecting stories. Yeah, but nothing like Edith Finch does. I mean, I mean, Edith Finch is gone home, but a little bit more whimsical. Whereas gone home, you're always in the sister's shoes. In Edith Finch, it's instead of reading diary entries, you are literally transported into the last seconds of these people's lives, which is rad. Like, I love mm-hmm. Edith Finch a lot, but like. I want to, like, recognize innovation in the industry and, like, pushing the envelope and making the industry better. And I think Zelda did that this year. Okay, I think well, Zelda, again, like... I oh, think no, it absolutely that means is. Zelda's Game of the Year and not yeah. either Night in the Woods or What, what Remains of Edith Finch. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that's fine. Okay, I'd be. Like, I mean, I'm more down for that than. Yeah, I am too. Like, actually, you <laughs> I mean, making this argument, aside, yeah. you making it, this argument against Edith Finch, and then making a pass for Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods does a lot more than Edith Finch does. Like yeah. Night in the Woods is also <laughs> it's also a platformer, and it also has like mini games and shit. Like there's other gameplay elements to uh, Night in the Woods, um, and it tells its story differently. It is a day-by-day kind of slice-of-life thing, where Edith Finch is very much just a collection of, like, uh, fantastic moments. Yeah, but that... uh, uh, (laughs) The thing, like, I don't think that we should critique it on what it's not doing and what, like, maybe other ways of, of it, like... No, that's fair. Like, I don't think we should either. But I think we should critique games on what new stuff they bring. Mm-hmm. And I think Edith Finch is just a refinement of the stroll playing genre. Like, which to be fair is like a genre like I completely wrote off. Like after playing Tacoma this year and uh, uh, Ethan Carter last year and uh, fucking everyone's going to the rapture. Like all three of those games I was really disappointed with. Like I was just like, maybe I'm just done with the walking around looking at pretty environments and hearing someone tell me a story genre. Like maybe this just isn't for me. Like maybe gone home, got it and everyone else mm-hmm. uh, did not quite get it as uh, well. But like the playing Edith Finch, I was like, Oh no, it's just, the, the, the problem. Isn't the genre. It's just how you tell this story. Um, yeah. And I think that's what it's like. Why it's set apart is just the breadth of stories that are used to tell like a singular narrative. Yeah. Like it's, and, it's and well like done. Build on your your understanding of like this family <laughs> again, like as Edith Finch is kind of discovering it herself. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like, and I think it is important to to like note that like I don't think that the player is really like kind of in the same way as the Norwood Suite. You're not really making an impact on the world of Edith Finch or anything. It's it's kind of telling itself to you like it's it's 
the developers kind of just sit you down and or Edith Finch kind of sits you down and like tells you this really personal story about her family and like I I think that is a lot different than than a lot of the walking simulators or whatever that come out now where it's you are you're kind of having to discover it um through rummaging around whereas Edith Finch is telling you um like what's going on through like a story time almost okay sure um yes and yeah i okay and just Can the fact up, that like... it made like 12 you like unique interesting characters well, that's arguable. <laughs> like, well, aside because from I that think kid with the with the kite, I don't. Know. I think some of those stories are actually like like that's the problem. Is like some of those stories aren't interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just like some of those stories are just like okay, like like some of them are affecting, like the girl who goes to sleep hungry, the brother in the fish plant, um, like those are solid stories that like resonated with me. And then some of them are just like, well, dad got hit by a moose. Or, like, this idiot flew off the cliff while he was swinging. And I was just like, okay, like, yeah, they're well presented. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, is this a curse or is this family really dumb? Mm-hmm. Like, it's <laughs> it's just stuff like that where I'm just like, okay. Um, so, like, yeah, I don't think those, the stories are all created equally. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I can't, to me, just the majesty of, like, surveying all of Hyrule after like a grueling you know climb through Death Mountain and being like hell yeah I did it and that that that, that like those moments are so powerful especially mm-hmm. like in Zelda which Zelda has always kind of been touted like as this like oh it's this big grand sweeping epic but it's always been actually pretty linear mm-hmm. and like for there to finally be the Zelda game that like truly puts discovery first um and like a really set, like a an actual sense of adventure. This idea that like, yeah, Link, go into the desert because you need to find someone, but you might die. Like you don't know what's out there. Are you properly equipped? Do you have the right shit? Like there's actual danger into like going into a uh, uncharted territory in this game mm-hmm. that makes it really interesting. Like that first time that you see one of those dragons in Zelda, like scared the shit out of me because I was just there like scaling near this waterfall and then I turn the camera to my right and there's this giant thunder dragon that is just like going up the waterfall next to me and I'm just like what the fuck is that like that like it's one of these things where like that would be a boss or something like super uh, hostile in any other game and it's just part of this world that's just like breathing around you constantly and it's just like you know, seeing those or seeing them in the distance or seeing something at the top of a mountain and being like, that looks rad. Let's go there and like learn more about this world and and like just getting these detours just because either, you know, you're not ready to climb up something or mm-hmm. it, it, it that's it, like a real like the, the journey in Zelda feels like a legitimate trek like through. I, I don't know, like it's not curated, which I appreciate it really feels like it's the player's own quest. Like, I like Edith Finch, but it feels like, and it is, Edith holding your hand saying, I'm going to tell you the story about my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it is a personal, well-crafted narrative, but it is very much her own. 
um, and you can only hear it through her voice, um, there is no room for the player to project their own voice into Edith Finch the way there is in Zelda. And I think when we're talking about video games, which are the, as an art form, are about interacting with them and basically saying, like, Edith Finch would be just as powerful if you were sitting down and watching it versus if you were the one with the controller in your hand. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is where I think its weakness is, is that it's telling a very nice story that could be a movie. Whereas Zelda, you are making your own adventure. And I think yeah, that is where we talk about video games versus just art in general. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask, or I was about to say that it sounds like this is actually, uh, which is the better story? The one that you make yourself or the one that is told to you? Like History is the best story ever told. That. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think we take what's in the middle, Night in the Woods. For best game of 2017... Followed by Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And in third, Edith Finch. All right, thank you. This no. has been Neo Kaido's. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Uh uh-uh. No. No. <laughs> um, if we want to have the Zelda versus Night in the Woods talk, which again would just be me fighting myself. Um, no, we can have that. I, I think I can, Zelda I can takes. Drag, I can drag down Nine in the Woods. <laughs> okay, I'll fight trying. I'll does this? Trying. So does this become? I Zelda know, wins it, but Night in the Woods or Edith Finch second or third. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically like what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean if, if, if that's if that's that, the thing, like if those are I, the I'm, reasons why you're saying Breath of the Wild beats. Um, Edith Finch I think those are the exact like similar reasons to why it would beat Night in the Woods that's not completely wrong but um, (laughs) if that's what it turns I I don't mind Night in the Woods taking third Edith Finch second Zelda first Mm -hmm. Um, I think Night in the Woods is just way more it's, it's, it's more real to me it is a it is a very thinly veiled allegory about uh modern american life edith finch is this fantasy story about a family that like lives a charmed life until they all die in silly ways like i mean it's an or, edward gory book turned into a game and basically yeah it is, it is a fable yeah. that is turned into a narrative and like it's very beautiful and like really powerfully told i think that's its biggest strength it's not the events of the narrative it's how it's presented to the player right. like that's the strength like in a va- if you were just reading the Edith Finch book, you'd be like, "This is a story about a family that's goofy." Like, this is a story about a, a dad who died because a moose knocked him off a cliff. Like, a series of unfortunate events, literally. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's fucking Lemony Snicket's presents yeah. Edith Finch. Um, so like in but, that sense, like, yeah, I think Edith Finch is wonderfully told. I think like the, the the, the heavy lifting is done by. Edith Finch's voice actress who just really powerfully tells the story of her family and is kind of passing on the legacy to her child or at least explaining to her child why that child probably does not have a mom or does not have a mom you find out at the end yeah um so like it's it's beautifully told I don't think the narrative is the strong part I think the narrative of Night in the Woods is stronger even if you disagree with how 
if, even if those characters rub you the wrong way. Well, uh, like, <laughs> I I think that I don't know. I I I think that the the narrative of what remains of Edith Finch is kind of it, it isn't. I don't think it's as simple as just like these are like fantastical stories of this family. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think that where this game like because it's it comes down to like it's it's Edith Finch like discovering who her family is and also kind of coping with the deaths of like all of her family members and being the only one left. She's not really coping because she didn't know half of her family members. She knew her grandma and her mom mm-hmm. and like every, and the uncle she didn't know lived under them, mm-hmm. but everyone else was dead. No, she knew her brother. Um, yeah, that's right. The brother was alive. So like that one, I could see her coping with, but like everyone else in that family was dead. Like she was, she didn't know about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was so much her coping with it I think it was her kind of coming to terms with this family curse and kind of embracing it and ultimately like passing on this story to her child um, before the curse took her mm-hmm. and I guess with the caveat like understanding that maybe she is the end of that curse and her child would not be affected um but yeah, like it's it's a beautiful story. Like Edith Finch is a beautiful story, but I think like in a in the context of a video game, it is not the the video game aspect of it is not lending anything to the game. Like you have you have very minimal control over pretty much anything you do in Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is very curated um in a way that like I think takes away Re- basically revisiting that game i mean there's nothing in in like night in the woods that i was like thank god this is a video game because i wouldn't know how jumping on these power lines would be well you have more options in night in the woods you have like i, I mean outside of like actual branching paths because you have mm-hmm. the option of which friends that you want to spend more time with um and that affects the overall narrative um, but it's also things like, you know, do you want to talk to Selmers every day or not? You don't have to. You can just bypass her or you can talk to her and kind of find out, hey, talking to this person that is kind of just sitting on her stoop, um, I got a lot out of that. Like it, it is really about the conscious decision to talk to your neighbors and try to foster a community. Um, so in that sense, like I think the gameplay portion definitely lends itself more to uh Night in the Woods than Edith Finch. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. You're carrying so what you're the- saying is when you take away the storytelling, what remains of Edith Finch? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um so far that all that rem- <laughs> what, what remains of Zach right now? Cuz it sounds like <laughs> he confidently marched here. He didn't care what we put in two through ten. He just wanted Edith Finch. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) No, I just, it's, I don't know, man. It's dumb. (laughs) This whole thing's dumb. It doesn't even mean anything. (laughs) 
numbers. Stupid you know, who numbers. cares? Whatever. Who care? Um. Yeah. I. Can we put the Norwood suite back on here? <laughs> uh, you know, just to test <laughs> no, it. We out. may not. Lim- Unless like, we replace uh, Divinity with it. Some room. Oh boy. Okay. I mean. I mean, again, I don't think that. I I think that I would be more confident in saying uh, Breath of the Wild is number one than Night in the Woods. That's fine. Personally. I'm also fine. I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we can agree on that. Yeah. And that's gonna do it, folks. Uh, our game of the year is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Taking uh, fourth place is Divinity. <laughs> Two and three have not been decided yet. Um, I mean, that's fine. Oh, man. Why does it do that? Why is it? I hate that. Okay, whatever. Um, uh, Okay. I mean, I think that Edith Finch is like... Like, I I don't even know what that would be if you could just see the stories out of order and like i i think it's deliberately linear and yeah. i i think that is the way to like like digest that story um no it's like i said it's very curated like it's telling you the story the way they want you to hear it mm-hmm. um which is fine like it's fine i don't have problems with linear games Mm-hmm. And but hey, there I, are two different paths in the beginning, and there's a point where you choose between two different stories. <laughs> Player choice. There you go. Tell ya. <laughs> oh yeah, there is two. No, um, there isn't. You can either go to the front door or the the. Garage. Well, no, you have the branching uh, path through the woods to the house. Uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Well. See, there's your choice. Yeah. Like, Thank you, Rob. <laughs> See? I don't know what I would do. It was, it was missing. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the more a player can feel invested in its world through their own actions um and and like in a legitimate way Mm -hmm. i think the more they'll get out of their experience Mm -hmm. like um i I mean look at the order of the games we have here like it is basically from 10 to 1 going in order of like which titles are linear to uh which allow more freedom like and ultimately, like where the where the where the one outlier is is Edith Finch, and I think oh, so it's just it doesn't I even think belong on here. You're just saying it it goes number ten now. No, <laughs> I'm I can go into a whole thing about point and click adventure games of the old days if we really want to go this. Yeah, route, let's talk about but, King's yeah. Quest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Monkey Island, one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, it's as linear as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> adventure it's not i'm just saying that like this that wasn't an accident like i think oh no yeah i don't know yeah like our investment in these games seem to be how much of ourselves we can put in them um and how much we can affect their worlds and i think edith finch is the sticking point just because that story is so strong Mm -hmm. um and well delivered and emotionally impactful um but one like of the top three of the year, definitely one of the top three of the year, one of my <laughs> top three of this year. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like I don't I don't know like. 
Edith Finch to me is a neat thing. Like, I th- I just I I think it's more than neat. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's neat. It's really neat. You watch it and you go, oh, that's neat. Wow. You you turn into Owen Wilson. You go, oh, Edith Finch. Wow. 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 What a nice story. Wow. <laughs> but like. I don't know. Like it hasn't thought. I I haven't thought deeper of Edith Finch since playing it. I haven't mm-hmm. been like, yeah. But what is like, you know, what does Molly's story really mean? And like, what does it mean more in the context of like? I haven't really exercised at all with Edith Finch. Like, well, the... I, I mean, I think it's more of a personal story than like something that can be laid onto like a broader. I, I don't know. It, it's. It just it just feels like it is a whimsical story for the sake of telling a whimsical story. Like, you know, maybe there are like personal reasons behind it. Like maybe it is the developer's way of getting through something or mm-hmm. there are there could be deeper reasons or Well also something. I think that it's it's neat for it to feel like a personal story to Edith Finch, the character in the game, and like almost have this voyeuristic feeling to it of like I like you are getting this very personal like story that she's essentially just telling to her child and like i I just think it's really cool and we are the child i am i am the baby Um, (laughs) you're zach uh, i mean again it's hard for me to argue against that like the the game part of this is maybe not as like i don't know like it's not as uh big of a focus as maybe like Zelda <laughs> or uh, uh, or Night in the Woods or Night in the Woods yeah um, I just didn't like Night in the Woods that much <laughs> I, I think I you, mean, I think you wanted to not to like is, Night in the Woods huh I think you wanted to not like Night in the Woods that's not true <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I really wanted to like Night in the Woods I think May spoke to you too much yeah, scared me. Yeah, got a caught a glimpse of exactly. Yeah, of the truth. You, the 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 part in Night in the Woods when May looks in the mirror and it's Zach's face reflected back. <laughs> like I'm so fat. <laughs> ah, I screamed and then I turned off the the computer. It got a monster face. It got a monster face. My hips are too big. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, whatever. I'll I'll take what remains to be the Finch for number three. Perfect. You guys, we did it. We made a top ten list. Something happened. (laughs) Oh man. All right. So, Rob, what do you think of of uh, Edith Finch? You want to make your argument (laughs) now? You want to hop in there? It's definitely one of the three best games of the year. Oh yeah, definitely. Apparently Although Neo, as Neo much Kaido as I, would call it one of the <laughs> best three games of the year. As much as I don't like Zelda as a franchise, I mean it does have more tingle than the other two games, and so you can dress up I as Tingle. That... <laughs> you can ride a motorcycle. Sure can. You have a handsome Zora friend who's my bae. <laughs> he has a winning smile. That's gonna be our cover image. Yeah. It's gonna be Prince Sidon. I'm into that. Yeah. He does kind of like look at you and go, hey. He goes, hey. Yeah. And then he swims you up the side of that elephant. (laughs) And that part's really rad. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, 
Okay. You want to so, read this off? Um, yeah, let's let's run down this list. Uh, it's like so, tumor Neo Kaido's top 10 games of the year are, uh, from the top to the bottom, are The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Night in the Woods, What Remains of Edith Finch, Divinity Original Sin 2, Near Automata, Super Mario Odyssey, Pyre, Gorogoa, Cuphead, and Resident Evil 7 VR. That's a great list. That is. It's a great list. Yeah. Uh, those are some powerful games that everybody should play. Absolutely. Hey, I only... Actually, I touched all of these. Never mind. I was going to say I, I haven't touched one of these, but I did. Oh. Wonderful. How's everyone I'm, feeling? I feel drained. Yeah. Slightly dyspeptic. Feel like I feel like telling the listener, uh, thank you for st- sticking through this one. Whoever you are, the one, <laughs> the one listener, thank you for sticking through. Um, and Merry Christmas. Um, it has been it has been a week, I'm sure, of listening to all these. Well, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to these in order that sounds like a nightmare if you've made it to this one maybe they'll only listen to this one yeah i feel listen like to all of ours at the end we put a lot of work into each and every one of our uh deliberations this year yeah. more than you know listener more than you know yeah, yeah my throat gets shot at the end of each of these recordings mm. i'm not that passionate so you know it, i'm fine yeah next year i'll have less <laughs> reasons why i like things yeah yeah you do 80 percent of the talking on this podcast so yep. it's like, yeah. yeah i see those wav forms yeah the wavs my resolution for next year will be to do less talking you should more walking you really should i'm feeling Just think a, you're I'm um, feeling attacked now your voice will be like a year younger yeah, yeah. imagine that all yeah, right. no, I'm glad you pick up the slack because you know me, I just start flolloping when I'm on the spot. Flolloping. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> one of my favorite All words. right, so ending this one out is good old-fashioned game of the year, 2017, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, the rest of them, you can find yourself. I'm not going to say them again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Night in the Woods, What Remains of Edith Finch, Divinity Original Sin 2, Near Automata, Super Mario Odyssey, Pyre, Gorogoa, Cuphead, Resident Evil 7 VR, and, and I mentioned that the winner was Breath of the Wild. Thank you so much for listening. Um, hell of a year yep. in gaming. Yep. Too in good. Gaming. Too good. Worse. Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe a little too good. I mean, hang on. Can we bring um, Puyo Puyo Tetris back up here into the top 10? Uh, I just want to feel it out. You want to replace it with Edith Finch? <laughs> And that's going to do it for <laughs> Neo Kaido uh, 2017. We'll see you next season. I'm Zach Thomas. I'm uh, New Year's Dave. I'm Felice Navi Rob. Perfect. Uh, and we will see you next time. Yeah.